Hey guys, brand new podcast and happy new year. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. I'm, uh, I hope this New Year is great for everyone. It's going to be an intense year for me. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> it starts in 10 days. I'm in Portland and then Seattle. We've had a second show in Portland and Seattle and in Calgary and in Vancouver, I think. And so uh, the Body Shots World Tour starts. So if you didn't get tickets to one of those, we've added that second show. There should be tickets available for almost all of those dates. So, and then... It just keeps going. We're in Boston, Keswick, fucking Orlando, everywhere. Orlando, Tampa, Las Vegas. It's just an intense, it's going to be an intense tour and I'm looking forward to it. I change the way I look at things. See, when you're a comic, sometimes you look at the weekend as, okay, Thursday, one show or sometimes two shows and then you're like, okay. And then that Friday early show, you're like, fuck, I got like a long, I got a whole weekend before I get home. Yeah. I just changed my perspective. I'm like, I'm not going home. Right. I'm not, I'm, there's, this is what I do. I do stand up twice a night, every night. That's my job. That's my job and I'm very lucky to have it. I had a great weekend in Brea this weekend. Thank you for everyone who came out. And we just did a ridiculous amount of shows in Brea. And then I look at guys like Joe Coy who's doing 18 nights in a row. Jesus. Bill Bird did 19 in, in Boston and you go, that's the dream. Yeah. So what the fuck am I sitting here? It's a change of perspective. My New Year's resolution this year, do not accept negativity. Oh. Don't let it in your life. I'm going to get off Twitter news. Twitter news makes me so angry. For some reason, my Twitter news is set up for all shit that's like frustrating. <laughs> I think that's just called Twitter news. Is it? I don't think it's specific it's to you. It's fucking exhausting. I don't read any of that. Um, And so I'm just, it is, I'm going to be hammering out content this year. Yeah, good. I'm going to hammer out content, no negativity, Tons of stand-up, shooting a new special this year. It'll be released probably in 2020. And uh, and just fucking, that is Operation Grind and Stack. Yeah. We're going to Australia. We're going to New Zealand. We're going to Europe. I say we. It's me, really. It's but, really you, but we're going to Australia. Yeah, you're going to go to Australia with me. We're going skiing next week. We're going to be in Park City. Next week, tomorrow. Tomorrow we go skiing. We're going to be in Park City. So if you're in Park City and you're out there... Um, you know, come say hi. We'll have a beer together or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I'm with my family. Never mind. Yeah, it's Don't family say time. Say dude. hi. And then we can, have can a, say hi. And but then we can have a beer, but we're not going to go like. Wait, yeah, but it's family time. I love everybody, but sometimes you have to just be with your family. Sometimes you just got to be a regular person. I regular, am a regular person. Regular. Okay. okay. Not what, regular. Yep, regular. I got you. What's your New Year's resolution, Leanne? Uh, uh, I'm going to um, work on that book I was talking about writing. Nice. Yeah, I'm gonna, no negativity. No negativity. That's mine. Mine. No, mine is no negativity. No fighting with people in my head. How about no reactivity? That's gonna be tough. <laughs> How about no pizza? Oh fuck <laughs> off! I almost said no. I I've said no Twitter news. Uh huh. But I I and I've gotten really close to looking at it because uh, it's yeah. like an itch. Yeah. Yeah. Is it an obsession? It is. Yeah. But then it gets you into a negative fucking hole. Yeah. And I don't want that in my life this year. Don't need it. I really want to just move forward. I look at this. I'm watching these uh, off the grid builders. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I bet they haven't looked at their phone all day. No, they're building shit and off then the it grid. Turns out the guy's all his instructions on how to build it's on his phone. Oh. I was like, I was like, I'd be on my phone nonstop. Burke, get off Twitter. We're gonna put up these joists. <laughs> um. So I hope you guys have a fantastic year. Today's a fantastic podcast. To be honest with you, it's very. This is what I got this podcast for: is to get into great conversations with people I don't know and have nothing alike about each other. Mm-hmm. We're totally different guys, totally different paths, 
and to learn. Yeah. I know nothing about um, being Muslim. Oh, yeah? I know absolutely nothing about it. Um, I know nothing about Kuwait. I know nothing about, I know nothing about a lot of shit. I am willing to say that about myself. Yeah. You know, that's the number one thing that, uh, the number one technological advance in the world was humans admitting they didn't know anything about anything. No. Yep. Because before that, everyone believed God had all the answers. So they didn't, it's, it's, it's the arrogance of, of an idiot of going like, God's got all the answers. I don't need all the answers. I don't need anything. And then one day someone was like, hey, maybe we don't have all the answers. Because if you had to say, how did a spider web build, build its web? Someone will go, well, God knows that. We don't, if, we don't, if it's not in the Bible, then we don't need to know it because God knows it. I don't know who thought like that, but I've never really thought like that. I'm oh, listening God this knows book. it. So. I'm looking, listening to this okay. book called Sapiens. And it's about the advancements in human technology. Okay. By the way, me paraphrasing an intellectual book is almost comedic in its essence. Uh, yeah. Because I'm sure I misquoted that entirely. It's I'm sure I misquoted that entirely. It's a meathead filter. <laughs> it's a big meathead filter. <laughs> so, uh, so, but I, but one of the, he talks uh, in this book, this audio book, Sapiens, he talks about how like. Uh, Who's the author? I don't know. Homo it's sapien? an audio book. He's a British guy, I think. <laughs> or at least the guy reading it is British. Or maybe Australian. I don't know. <laughs> Could be Irish. <laughs> um, uh, but Mo Ammer's on the podcast today. He's a stand-up comedian. He tours with Donnell Rollins and Dave Chappelle. Um, Donnell's one of my good friends. He's going to be on, uh, on um, Something's Burning coming up. And Donnell reached out and... And Mo and I hooked up, and we were like, "Fuck yeah!" And Don- Donnell's like, "You're gonna love this guy." And we talked about his path. His path is super interesting. It's, it gets oddly emotional because we did this podcast on the anniversary of his dad's death. Aww. His dad, yeah, and he just caught him off guard. Yeah. I smoked a cigar. He smoked a cigarette, and uh, and a couple, and uh, we talked about his his journey out of Kuwait um, into poverty, uh, from being you know wealthy into poverty. Um, and then kind of like the Muslim hustle of like, of like him working at a shop and selling fake watches and, and then getting into stand up and where he is today. And he's fucking awesome. I'm telling you, man, I'm, I, I made a friend like, That's cool. it's so rare when you, when you do these podcasts where you just like, not rare, but like with Brian Regan, I connected, like right. we can, I connected with him and I meaning like, I feel like if, if. I, I'm not good with making friends. That's something everyone should know with me. I'm really bad at making friends. I don't make friends easily. I don't trust a lot of people. And as soon as I get slighted by someone, I shut them off entirely. Yeah. I have really bad habits about that. And uh, But then there are people you connect with that, that would like, if they called me up and they're like, hey man, I'm in town. We should go get dinner. There are a lot of people I would not do that with. Right. Like I just, I'm not, because I feel like I would have to carry the conversation. Mo is someone I could easily go get dinner with and go get drinks with and not feel like he just is a chill dude. That's really great. fucking cool. Really cool. fucking cool. He's got a Netflix special called The Vagabond that's airing right now. I'll, t- I'll give you a little more. I guess I gave you all the information you need to know about Mo. <laughs> yeah, you did a good job. <laughs> but today's podcast is sponsored by Blue Apron. Blue Apron is a game changer if you have a family, if you don't have a family. For us, it allows us to cook dinner together every night. It brings in a ton of different dishes into our household that we would never eat normally. It takes simple dishes and flashes them up. 
To be honest with you, it is the number one food delivery service in the country. They take fresh ingredients, deliver them to your front door, and then these are meals prepared by qualified chefs. You then cook these meals in under 20 minutes or less. I mean, you bang out a meal quick as shit. All meals are inexpensive, meaning it's less than $10 per person. And all the shopping's done for you. All the ingredients are there. All the instructions on how to make the meal is right there. You can cook a great, healthy, fresh meal. And then your family sits down and has a great dinner together. Super easy. It, it For us, it it is it changes the way we live our life. Because I, honestly, Blue Apron met us at the time when we redid our house. Mm-hmm. And we had the big dinner, dinner table. Mm-hmm. And we sit, most families have that dinner table just to put laundry on. <laughs> we clear that off every night and we have dinner together every night. And I'm telling you right now, if you have a family... Get this blue, get blue apron, and tell me if it doesn't change the way your family enjoys dinner together. And it really introduces new taste palettes to your children that they wouldn't normally do if it was you, yeah. but they trust blue apron in a weird fucking way. Yeah, it is kind of bizarre and a little annoying. Menus coming out this week we got sage brown buttered chicken, panko crusted chicken, pesto pasta, black bean sweet potato chili Ooh. what did you make the other night that you pesto that, pasta it was really that, well, you good made, is that what the pesto pasta yeah. was that looks so fucking good with chicken good. and broccoli it was so good the girls loved it um and it made a huge amount it was it was way more than four people could eat in one serving check out this week's menu and get $60 off at blueapron.com slash burtcast you my listener check out this week's menu and get $60 off at blueapron.com slash BurtCast. That's blueapron.com slash BurtCast. Blue Apron, a better way to cook for the new year. Get your family tighter. If you're a single guy, get the two-person one and cook them. Get, you cook one one night, you got leftovers for the next day, cook one the next night, leftovers for the next day. These meals last. Yeah, they do. I love Blue Apron. I really, really sincerely love Blue yeah, Apron. We really do use it every week. As much as I love Quip. <laughs> do you know what quip is it's a toothbrush and that is a great way to start your new year's resolution with oral health two times a day two minutes of toothbrush brushing yep quip's absolutely fantastic as a traveling comedian for me it's got a very it's got a cover on it so i can cover it throw it in my backpack and then take it on the road with me and then you take the cover off you stick the cover to the glass uh mirror and that's your holder for your toothbrush it's awesome it's a vibrating toothbrush it's uh it's got great bristles, and the best part is they send you new bristles when a dentist would recommend it every, uh, what, four months? I, I think know, it's three months. Every three, months. three I months. months. I think it's three months. Don't hold me to that. But it's a fantastic toothbrush. We've all used Quip in our family. Yep. And the thing is, it holds you to brush your teeth for the full two minutes. Yep. So it be- it beeps and beeps and beeps. Every 30 seconds. Every 30 so seconds. switch sides. And oral health is so important, especially when it comes to cardiovascular. Did you know that? I did know that. Yeah. The plaque Um, in your mouth is the same plaque in your veins. People brush too hard, and some electronic toothbrushes are way too abrasive. This is all of it, everything you need right now, delivered to your house every three months for just $5. And a friendly reminder when it's time to refresh and stay committed to your oral health. 75% of us use bullshit toothbrushes. Quip is the first electronic toothbrush accepted by the American Dental Association, and they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals, and they have thousands of verified five-star reviews. I absolutely love it. it. For me, it's so fucking easy. I cannot wait to get on my tour bus. I'm going to take one quip, leave it here, one quip on the tour bus, mm-hmm. and they're just on the mirror. I know where it is Right. every fucking time. 
And then if I travel, I just throw up my bag with the top on it. That's why I love Clip. Quip. And there are over a million happy, healthy mouths that love Quip too. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash Burt right now, you can get your first refill pack for free. That's your first refill pack for free at G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash Burt. Thank you, Quip. I love the names of these companies. Yeah, they're cool. Because this podcast is also brought to you by... Noom. <laughs> Noom. Yeah. I love Noom. Uh, all this stuff fucking fits in my life perfectly. Right. It's almost like my ads, my my uh, sponsors are like, hey, uh, have you seen Bert's teeth? Have you seen his Instagram? <laughs> have you seen his stomach? It's time to lose some weight, Bert, and you can help stay on track with Noom. Instead of typical resolutions with Noom, you'll lose the guilt. As you learn how to develop new relationship with food, stick to weight loss plans. It can be hard as shit. Trust me. Especially when you don't know how to handle the thought obstacles that hold you back from making all that progress. Most people lose their weight and gain it all back. I know guys like that. Um, I have a buddy. His name's, uh, I'll just give you his initials, T.S. He lost a bunch of weight, gained it all back. T.S. Segura. Tom Segura. Is that, yeah. is that the right initials? Tom I Segura. think, yeah. Yep, T.N.S. Yep. T.S. Yep. He lost all the weight. Why did he do that? Because most weight loss plans just tell you what to do while you're on the plan, not after it. Gym memberships, personal trainers, nutritionists, they're super expensive. We've all been there. Noom, now can you can change everything. It's weight loss in the palm of your hand, literally on your phone, wherever you are, wherever, whenever you need it. We are all strapped for time, but Noom just asks you to commit 10 minutes of your day to you. You don't have to be a celebrity or have a personalized training teamed or a support team. Your goal specialist is a behavior change professional, nutrition expert, and fitness trainer all in one. A community that's there for you. A group discussion with fellow new members that keeps you encouraged, all for less than the price of a single appointment with a nutritionist or a personal trainer. It literally takes the agony out of food tracking. Easy, 30-second online evaluation shows you how much weight you can lose and how much weight you can keep off. Noom is designed for results. Meet your resolutions by signing up today. Do that. Make this year different for yourself. Commit yourself to losing weight and to keeping it off and to getting healthy with food. And do it with Noom. Meet your resolution by signing up today for your trial at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com slash BurtCast. That's Noom.com slash BurtCast. Fucking do it. Seriously, do it. It's the first of the year. Do it. Go to noom.com slash birdcast. What do you have to lose? I mean, if you think about it, you have absolutely nothing to lose. If you visit noom.com slash birdcast to start your trial today, you can be a healthier person tomorrow. Again, that is noom.com slash birdcast. Start losing weight for good, Tom Segura. Guys, this podcast is also brought to you by Omax 3. I want to discuss with you Omega 3s for just one minute because Omax 3 Pure Ultra Pure, the purest Omega 3 supplement on the market, contacted me, Burt Kreischer, about sponsoring the podcast. In case you're unaware, Omega 3s have been pushed as one of the healthiest supplements, but many have questioned whether, in fact, it's too good to be true. You guys know I do all my homework on every potential sponsor on this podcast. And after talking to Omax 3 and trying their supplements, they're definitely a must try. But I forget, but I, before I forget, <laughs> I'm so bad at reading these. I'm so sorry. Look, they did reach out to me. They sent me the fucking supplements and I started taking them and I like them. I like taking supplements. They make me feel good. I know that omega-3s 
Um, there's some some that are bullshit. There's like a freezer challenge. Here, let's see. There's this cool thing called the freezer test challenge. Basically, if you freeze any other omega-3 supplements, it gets cloudy. That's all filler. All the shit that gets cloudy is all filler. But oh. an Omax 3 soft gel remains cure, pure. That's because it's clear. And I fucking put it to the challenge and I froze the motherfucker and it's fucking clear. And so I was like, nice. I think, by the way, I would like to welcome Omax 3 to the podcast. And if you're uncomfortable with this read, I sincerely apologize. <laughs> but I think this is how my podcast works. Yes. <laughs> um, I like taking vitamins. They make me feel better. I'm, and this one is for joint brain mood i think so yeah and i know that my shoulder's been fucking killing me i can find this exactly what it's for oh it's for improving mood focus memory boosting brain and cardiovascular health plus much much more uh they elevate do they elevate joint pain inflammation and muscle soreness alleviate they alleviate alleviate dyslexia 9000 joint pain inflammation muscle soreness and make you feel better at your best especially post-workout if you go to triomax.com slash Bert to get a free box with your first purchase. Again, that's triomax.com slash Bert for a free box with your first purchase. Literally over 75% of Americans don't get enough omega-3s into their diet. And you're probably one of those people right now. And they are good for your health. I know my cardio, my cardiovascular... Cardiologist? Cardiologist. Sorry, guys. It was New Year's Eve last night. <laughs> I didn't take my omega threes this morning. My Omax three this morning. My cardiologist told me I should start taking them with my blood pressure medicine, and it was so nice that these just showed up at my front door. Right. I also have the D three. How come we're not talking about the D three? I don't know. Look on the back of that piece of paper. I don't see it. No. Vitamin D is something that most adults it, are deficient in. Can I tell you what is cool about these two? Is uh. The other day, I did not take it with food. It says take it with food. I didn't take it with food because I was trying to do that or morning fast. Uh-huh. And I didn't burp up fucking fish guts. Yeah, that's awesome. That's the other thing. Uh, all the omega-3s on the ar- mar- are on the market, this is the purest, the most potent, and the most concentrated one. So whether you're an athlete, a student, a busy parent, gamer, or working professional, almost a- everyone, almost anyone can benefit from omega-3. So would you say if you are pure. human... If yeah. you are human, you should be taking Omax 3. And I started right. doubling up. It says in the box you can take two a day. I take four a day. It says double. <laughs> You're so stupid. Why are you doing that? Because it says, it says, it says if you want to, I don't know. I thought, maybe I misread it. I'm taking four. I'm taking four it may a day. elevate your pain or alleviate. I, I, I was like, why would it elevate stupid. joint soreness? Go to tryomax.com slash Burt today to get a box of Omax Ultra Pure for free with your first purchase. That's tryomax.com slash Bert. I'm not reading this. To get a free box of Omax 3 with your first purchase. That's T-R-Y-O-M-A-X dot com slash Bert. Terms and conditions apply. Omax 3 comes with a 60-day money-back guarantee. So you have plenty of time to try it. And really feel the Omax difference. Thank you, Omax, and welcome to the podcast. I gotta go take my Omaxes now. Um, I like taking vitamins; it makes me feel healthy, and that's yeah. my, my. This year is all about health, positivity, positivity, and health. <laughs> You're gonna love this podcast, guys. Uh, he's a fucking awesome dude. He's got a special on Netflix called The Vagabond. By the way, all my friends, Crystalia, Neil Brennan, Nick Swartzen. Uh, Nicole Byer, they all have specials out on Netflix as well right now called Comedians of the World. Check it out. They're all fucking awesome. And uh, I always say support live comedy. I trust comics. 
Um, com- being a comic is a fucking tough job, especially when you're a guy like Mo who has to represent a different part of the world to people that may not know about it. That's why I think it's so badass. He was on my podcast. Weird little segue there, but very cool. But check out his special Vagabond on Netflix. He's a solid dude. See him live if you can, and just give the guy some love. You're gonna love this podcast, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year, Mo Ammer. This is Alright, Mo, come on in, let's do this. Yeah, of course, yeah. Please. I was uh when I first got this, I was like on my fortieth on my fortieth birthday we had a cigar roller in here mm-hmm. and he was smoking cigars in here. Oh, he was like from Cuba and he was uh and I said, oh, we, uh, we don't smoke in there. And he looked at me and he goes, in like a great, you were good at accents, I suck at accents. He goes, uh, it's a man cave. <laughs> Porque no. <laughs> Porque no. No puedo fumando en man cave. Are you rolling? Yeah. Nice. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <clears throat> um, That's funny. I'm going to recount some things. We, Mo got here early. I was naked in the pool. And then Halston just showed up, so we went and got coffee. So we've talked about a few things that I will reiterate. Right. Literally one of the best late night sets I've ever seen in my life. Thank you, man. When you on Colbert is fucking, it was murderous. And so you know it's a good set when you go, wait, what am I watching for a second? Like, is this his special? Oh, man. It was fucking great. I watched your special, too. The beginning of it. You know how when you start watching it and then you start going, okay, it's too good. I can't, I, I can't get into this. I can't. <laughs> You're so good. You're so, so talented at, uh, at characters. Yeah, and not just at, at doing an accent or something, but giving that character a personality. Does that make sense? Yeah, well, Bert, it does make sense. Yeah, <laughs> I knew. I knew. By the <laughs> I way, like I was thinking of the German guy. <laughs> German guy is my favorite because you can just say anything that's wild as shit. But like, yeah, we went to the we went to the Kitty Cat Club. It was nice. Everyone jerked each other off. It was nice. It was lovely. It was, it was a perfect Saturday night. Quite frankly, Bert, <laughs> Dude, you're great at that. And and. Uh, well, like and like little ones where I go, where like, uh, do you, is that? I have so much I want to talk to you about because your life, your path is probably the most, um, one of the most uh, iconic things that happened in my life was the um, uh, Gulf War, mm. which is the beginning of the change of your life, Absolutely. technically. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I went, I went, motherfucker! That was the first time. The world made sense to me, where I, where I was like, "Oh, there's more than just us." You in the war? Were you in the uh, military? No, 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 my di- no, but I no, not, that's I'm not that kind of guy. I, I, uh, Fucking Jesus! I went out there, man, and it was just like changed my life. I was on the horizon of the <laughs> Kuwait border, saw those Iraqi soldiers just putting up them white flags, <laughs> and I said to myself, "There's more to life." Dude, I was I when I when I saw that war mm-hmm. that we watched it in school. Right, right. I went home. And I said something to my dad about, I'm not for war. And my dad's like, you're a fucking idiot. Go to your room. (laughs) And I was like, oh, okay. He's like, you have no idea what this war is about. You don't know anything. That's true. But I wanted to know your perspective. I I only know of Kuwait as a place on CNN, you know? Right. I mean, the Gulf War to me forever changed my life. I was born in Kuwait uh, to Palestinian parents. We fled the Gulf War in 1990. um, And my family hasn't been the same since. I mean, that... I mean, I don't even know where to start. Where do you want me to start with this war? I mean, it's very, it changed my life forever. I ended up, 
I was growing up in Kuwait, then ended up in Houston, Texas. Like, yeah. a few months later, well, what was my family set apart. What did your apart. dad do? What did your my, dad do in Kuwait? My father was a telecommunications engineer. I have a picture of your dad in my head. Dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, it's funny you bring that up, bro. He's, today is his anniversary of his passing. Actually, the seventeenth. You lost your dad when you were really young. I was very young. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that, man. Yeah. I forgot until now. I was thinking about. it. I was like, yeah, it's gonna be special. I said when I sit down with Bert, it's gonna be special. I'm sorry, man. I can't imagine what it's like to lose. It's, your dad. It's, honestly, I'm surprised I'm getting emotional because it's been so long. But it's, um, yeah, he's amazing, man. How'd your dad pass? He had a heart attack. <sighs> you don't start off a comedy podcast like it's okay, man. <laughs> no, it's uh, uh, he had a heart attack and he was in the hospital for like three weeks and a lot of surgeries, complications, and he passed away. He had, like, open-heart surgery in the 80s. I was too young. I was I was a baby in San Francisco, actually. Um, and then he uh, – I'm, I'm pretty sure, like, the war killed him. Like, everybody – my father was, you know, came from nothing, telecommunications engineer. My mom tells me stories all the time, like, a few days ago. He had a cell phone in the 60s, you know. Yeah. He, was a tele- he was very passionate about phones. He was a telecommunications engineer. He, like, uh, built one of the first radio stations in Kuwait and was instrumental in creating a wireless communication between oil rigs and – it was like you know groundbreaking to have wireless communication you know between different rigs for instance you know so yeah. it, he was uh, he was a big part of that and he did very well for himself he was very wealthy i mean wealthy meaning like he was worth a few million dollars and then lost everything overnight and uh, i believe i'm certain that that's what killed him you know what was how, what is how does that was it did all of a sudden i don't even know what politically what happened that made your dad leave so, so in Kuwait, when the Gulf War broke out, you know, we're originally Palestinian and the Palestinians were, you know, so there was this, all this, uh, you know, there's these world leaders and, and that, that align themselves with each other that affect citizens in that country. For instance, you know, Yasser Arafat shaking hands with Saddam Hussein um, made Palestinians like unwanted in Kuwait. So you had to leave, you know, you had no other option but to leave. So if you really want to Yeah. So these there's these relationships that have nothing to do with you personally. And you don't have to agree with them or agree with them or whatever, just for having a political opinion in the matter. Uh created a unsettling circumstances for my entire family. So we had to leave. That was the option. It was like, okay, we're gonna stay here, endure this, or are we gonna you know, we don't know how this is gonna fall and I have children. Imagine, you know, you're a parent, you have children, what am I gonna do with them? I'm gonna let's get them out. So that was the idea my mom actually got my sister and i out first and she went back and my father was like taken away and persecuted for his political opinion and a lot of things happened to my father that i found out about in my 20s like he was um in prison unlawfully for 50 days plus i believe and he was tortured and, and they thought he was like an informant he's nothing you know he's a telecommunications engineer and he just had a political opinion and um it was very sad to see that happen and and uh, he passed away like five years later man and all of his friends died early too all really? of his friends i believe that the emotional stress that came with that and being in your 50s and losing everything and it was very, very stressful on a person's imagine, heart. Yeah. I can't imagine losing everything right now. Yeah, can't, yeah start, right? I mean, it's really, right. like, I, I, I was very emotionally connected with the story of your father. And, and like, and, and as a father, I think as a father, I think of, like, what if I had to pick up my girls? What if, like, what if they said, what if they said, listen, man, the stuff you talked about, the stuff you talk about on your podcast, we can't, that's not cool anymore. Right. Um. And yeah, you've like, been very vocal about it for the last ten years. I don't even I don't even talk politics on my podcast, but like freedom of speech and whatnot. 
Right. And then I, had to, I, me and the girls had to go. Here's what I, I got overwhelmed with. We had to go and go. All right, we're moving to Kuwait. Well, I know Kuwait City is a city. <laughs> uh, let's go there. Yeah. And then where do you want to live? I don't know. Let's see where the right. stadium is. Right. Like I don't like. And for us, it was like Houston, and you got to remember it was very sheltered or very innocent life in Kuwait. And then you move to Houston, and then you're like, Houston's a phenomenal city. That's my hometown. I love it to pieces. But when we first moved there, like, nobody did any research. I was being recruited by, like, Mexican gangs, and I was like, no, man, my name's Muhammad. He was like, what, bro? You look like Hector, bro. You for real? <laughs> this was freaking him out. Then you had, like, black gangs wait, wait, trying to beat me up because they thought I, I was Mexican. If I could have one video clip yeah. of anything, it yeah. would be you me- meeting black people for the, the first, first time. time. Yeah. Just being like, bro, they're so fucking loud. Look. Black folks were the first people like to tell me I was doing it wrong. You know what I mean? Like that. If it wasn't for black folks, I would have. I wouldn't have learned shit. Like yeah. I would show up to school. My friend Bruce. I'll never forget this. This is very traumatic. <laughs> you show up. Imagine you show up in fifth grade and Bruce like everybody, come see what Mo's wearing. Everybody come see what Mo's wearing. This motherfucker got on pro wings. I was like, what's pro wings? It's like the shoes you got on from Payless. I didn't know. Like the thirteen ninety nine. I didn't know. I didn't know those are not cool. You know. I didn't. I wore a. You know. I went to British English school. I wore a bow tie and a. You know. God like that's damn. what I did in elementary. In, in Kuwait. I was walking in like, hello. You know, I had a British accent as an Arab dude named Muhammad. Like I I was like a glitch in the matrix in Houston, you know? I was I was an ESL class. It's crazy and- to, to all of a sudden go to a place where there is status in what you're wearing when you just looked at shoes and you're like, oh, they're cool. Yeah, I'll yeah, take those. Yeah, they're black and purple. Cool. I yeah. like those. You yeah. know what I mean? Maybe I'm black. I like black and purple yeah. shoes. <laughs> I didn't know. Like, I had no idea. And until it was bring food to school day, and, you know, Arabs take that very, very seriously. And my mom brought a whole spread. Like, she baked goods, and she actually made, like, savory dishes and brought them to school and that's when i became cool bruce was like man what is this <laughs> i was like this is zatar zatar man i love zatar he goes man i'm gonna name my first daughter zatar i never forgot <laughs> i never he was fifth grade he told me this i'm yeah. like you name your first daughter zatar like he I loved first daughter zatar. The, when i brought the food it was just like over i became like the cool kid and and uh and then when we played football and i could just throw a football i had like yeah. a natural talent for zipping a foot and I just became super cool. It's like, yeah, I mean, I'm Palestinian. We throw rocks. It is a rock. Let's just do it. I was very accurate. I could hit you from 50 yards away. By like sixth grade, I was like throwing 40-yard zips. You know, like, so I was very, very cool immediately after that. But yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely a shift in coming from Kuwait to Houston. I mean, just some of the lingo, you know, just trying to make friends. I learned British English. I remember walking up to my teacher and asking her for a rubber because I made a mess on my paper. I was like, can I have a rubber, which is eraser. Yeah. And British is like, for erasers, rubber. So I was asking for rubbers in school, and I didn't know. People were like, oh, oh this guy is crazy. <laughs> I asked uh, my my uh, our neighbor in the apartment complex, um, Robert, who was my friend. This is fifth grade. And again, so innocent. I asked his mom. I was like, oh, single mom, and I see her all the time, and go hang out at her house. I was like, what do you do? And she's like, I'm a dancer. And I was like, oh, like a ballerina? <laughs> and she looked at me and smiled. She was like, yeah, like a ballerina, <laughs> like a ballerina. right? So then I go over there. I find out they get a new pet. So I go over to his house, and his mom answers the door. And I was like, I heard you got a new pussy. Can I please pet your pussy? And she was oh. like, what? 
You know, she got so mad. She thought, I, I'm fifth grade. She should have corrected me and put yeah, it together. Yeah. I found out she's not a ballerina. Obviously, she's a stripper. And so she thought I found out that she was a stripper. And I was now being, you know, this oh, jokester fuck. kid in the neighborhood. And she's like, pussy. And she slammed the door in my face. And I lost, like, my only friend that I knew at the time. What was, what was, oh, fuck, fuck. <laughs> what was, um, what was your mom's experience on all this? My mom is a gangster. Like, you see the special I talk about her, like how she got us out of Kuwait and how she was able to, you know, smuggle whatever imagine, money we had. Um, you don't even, uh, you don't even know. I can't imagine. Like, what do you pack? Yeah. Like, what, like, <laughs> like, what do you pack? That's when you find out what's important to you. You know what I mean? Like, like I just have this idea of your dad yeah. coming home and saying to your mom, like, hey, we got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. And your mom going, cool. Uh, but we didn't just leave right away, right? So there was like this whole thing. The neighborhood was getting taken over. The dynamics were shifting. We lived on a street. It was a government house because when you work for the uh, Kuwaiti oil company, for instance, for the government, there's all these, you know, um, I don't want to call them camps. It's like all these different um, neighborhoods that are completely owned by the company. So our street was like one of the guest quarters. It was like a palace at the end of the street. It's not a huge palace like you think of now, but... But it was just, well, that's where guests would come or diplomats would come. They would put them up there. So our neighborhood in Kuwait was definitely a, you know, something that was targeted by the Iraqi military. It was oil best. Remember they turned on, they they lit up all the oil rigs, right? Yeah. So I wasn't there for that. My mom was. And she was just telling me, like, you know, from noon to midnight, you could, there was no difference. It was completely pitch black all the time and uh, the dynamics in the neighborhood people were siphoning uh, fuel out of vehicles there was uh, you know Saddam Hussein at the time dropped off a bunch of like prisoners literally and told them just to loot completely loot as much as possible so you gotta imagine my my father has a daughter she's 17 18 years old he's worried about her you know god forbid she gets something happens to her you oh know what i mean god. like it's just oh. all these oh things were shifting so every day was different so we spent a couple of months in doing that, and then my mom had a strategy of getting my sister and I out uh, on a school bus through Baghdad, through you know all these different checkpoints, and then hiding the money strategically. You'd have to watch my special. To, I don't want to ruin it, so yeah, you can no, watch no, no, it. No, but please. I dedicated it to my mother, and she got us out of there. She took us out, and she took us to Amman, Jordan, on a school bus through Iraq, and then my sister and I on a flight went to Houston, where my brother was studying, and um, and then they followed like nine months later, and whatever they endured i was sheltered i was nine years old i gotta tell you everything this is what's happening your dad has been taken away you know they're yeah. trying to tell you everything and you find out later on but that was that yeah that was the beginning of the shift for me for sure dude that i i <clears throat> i can't i mean i guess i guess ultimately your mom would probably say everyone's got it in them to do uh, out uh, uh, be a hero Absolutely. you know everyone's got it in them but as like a just a regular dude, I go. I don't know if I got that. Of course you do. Like I yeah, but it's natural human instinct. Dude, I melted down trying to get an Uber at fucking the Coliseum <laughs> last night. <laughs> Seven minutes. I was like, I was like, wait, are you by the Chevron? Where the fuck are you? That's hilarious. His name is Muhammad too, by the way. <laughs> My God, so many Muhammad Uber dude, drivers. Dude, that was you said that, and I was like, I was like, 
That is a really common fucking name. I take screenshots of every every Muhammad Uber driver. Every time I make a stupid face, I'm like, hey, all right. Yeah. I take a screenshot. Then I start imagining that he's making the same face as I am at the same exact time. <laughs> he's getting a notification. <laughs> but yeah, it is It is very, very kind. I was watching a soccer game. That's how I wrote that joke. I was like, oh, man, it'd be funny to yeah. have that. That's and that's, just, that's so how good. I wrote so, that joke. Such, <laughs> such great. Yeah. F- you, it was, I, I, can't, I can't tell you, man, that. I've seen a lot. Joe Coy's got a pretty great uh, Colbert, uh-huh. but yours was fucking monstrous. What what um, uh, what do I what did I want to ask? How how do you pronounce your last name? I, I saw you doing on the Breakfast Club, right? But it, <laughs> but like and and I've I'm always fascinated at I, what I I have a friend Jesus Trejo, mm-hmm. a very yeah, funny comedian. Yeah. Yeah, you know Jesus, yeah, yeah, know he's, he's, he's the best. He's yeah. the best. And we were eating lunch one time. I can't. I can't let go of this. And he's he's like, it's not a big deal. But he or the lady said, uh, "What flour corn tortillas?" And he goes, uh, "Corn tortillas." With the accent. <laughs> I go, "What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing that for?" And he goes, "That's how you pronounce it." And I go, "No, you're doing it with like a Mexican accent." And he goes, "And that's how it's pronounced, Bert." <laughs> yeah. He goes, "You're the one saying it wrong." So I'm always fascinated. I think it's at the the story of of children, mm-hmm. basically American children. You're. I, I would argue you're probably more American than Palestinian in my eyes. Yeah. Like, right. I just, I don't really. But It's an interesting dynamic that you juggle as a refugee or yeah. as an immigrant to America or first generation immigrant to America. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a a very interesting balance that goes inside of you that, like, yeah, I'm from here, but I grew up here, so I am here. Yeah, I'm definitely Texan, you know? Like, even if I, I, I go yeah. back home, they'll be like, this guy is like. He's a fucking Texan, you know what I, I mean? I, He's a Palestinian Texan, this guy. Like, it's funny, but yeah, I it's hear, true. I don't even hear any accent in you. Mm. I actually almost hear a little bit of, like, an Ohio accent in yeah. you. Oh, my God, Ohio. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> but, um, but, uh, but what is that, like, how do, how do you say your last name? It's Ammer. But what, how do you, would your dad say it? Well, <laughs> <laughs> well it's Amr. Ah. Amr. Yeah, ah. Okay. Yeah, so, so the letter is a ah. It's a Arabic. I, I say it like this because this is what it looks like. It's a uh, yeah. so it's Amir, but maybe you know. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah, I, I <laughs> He's the only one that can pronounce my name right. Yes, finally it takes an Austrian that grew up in oh. America to pronounce my name right. That's hilarious. Oh fuck! Never thought about that, but no, yeah, we have a lot of names, and I'm as far as language is concerned, and how Jose like went into tortillas, you know. I yeah. just, same thing with languages when i speak another language i just immediately become you know like the accents right like mexicanos they also are surprised by me like yeah. when i'm talking to them when i'm speaking to them in spanish they also get confused until they figure out like my grammar's not perfect I'm like where are you from <laughs> yeah like it takes a while like hola como esta todo todo está bien amigo like mira yo necesito tiempo para llegar aquí you know like i become this you're really good at picking up i yeah i, I don't know what it is i don't know where it came from oh, i my brothers did a lot of accents and did a lot of prank calls when i was a kid yeah i just picked up on it and my cousin would do a lot of sound effects and that's where all of it came from for sure but yeah, I just can't. I learned Spanish in like three months. I think also it's 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 I don't know if the right words immigrant adjacent, but I think that maybe I, it, I think it has anything to do with like speaking Arabic. You, you know, think being so? able to speak Arabic. There's a wide spectrum of pronunciations that you need to do to speak Arabic, so you can pick up on stuff. Like doing the German thing is because 
you know, doing a German accent definitely helps out that I know Arabic. The chaz, the chaz, the vagadzu. You know, you yeah. can just play around with different tones, and I, that's definitely what it is. I sure. think as a white guy, when you're a white guy and you start mm-hmm. doing accents, there is a, a weird thing where there's a there's a fine line between paying homage to an accent yeah. and making fun of an accent. Absolutely, like, it's, it's harder to pull off with a white guy though, for sure. White guys, are, it's well, you know, like I always I always do a black guy accent whenever I do a black guy. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Joe Joe Coy pointed it out to me that I, sometimes I won't, mm. and I turn black guys into like teenage girls, <laughs> like like uh, like uh, like if I I told you Donnell, who I, we'll talk about in a second, but Donnell is the Donnell and Patrice O'Neill taught me how to make omelets. Donnell was the that's first one. He's like, dude, dude, you got to season the pan. And Joe Coy goes, that's, Donnell didn't talk like that. Yeah. And then, no. and but Joe would do Donnell's accent. Yeah. You would do Donnell's accent yeah. in a yo, weird son. way. Yeah, yo, son. <laughs> this is how you make an yeah. omelet, son. You grab these bell peppers, see? Son. <laughs> like, you got to put butter at the end, son. <laughs> yeah. Dude, I, li- I I spent a month with Donnell doing Reality Bites Back. <laughs> That he's the funniest motherfucker alive. Funniest motherfucker alive. Funniest bro. dude, quickest. There was a guy, so Kyle funny. Cease. Mm-hmm. This is my favorite Donald Rollins story ever. Mm-hmm. Please, Kyle Cease uh, is a comedian. Do you ever? Do you, you might have known him. He was on Comedy mm-hmm. Central. He quit. Mm-hmm. Now he's a motivational speaker. But um, <laughs> it's funny you say quit and then became a motivator. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just, he quit that and just became a motivation. He's like, speaker. I give up. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, teach, I'm gonna teach people I would never give up. <laughs> Everyone thinks you cannot we quit this job. I'm gonna tell everybody how to persevere through other <laughs> obstacles. It's too hard. Playing, it's too hard. I give up. Anyway, you guys never give up. Never give up. Here's the keys to success. <laughs> what I, the fuck do you do? As I see them in my throat of failure. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Kyle. If you're listening, I'm so sorry. We're just joking. We're just joking. <laughs> Oh. oh my god oh my god oh my it's so funny <coughs> kyle wore every every episode it was a reality show and every week mm-hmm. he wore oh he he made a hat made a blue hat for every week so every week he was on so he made 14 weeks and each hat said, did oh no, no kyle, kyle <clears throat> they were all blue and uh-huh. kyle's hat said week one and then next one he said week two uh-huh. and he had all the hats up to week 13 week 14 oh my god and donnell you know donnell donnell solomon rolled his eyes and kyle goes what and puts kyle puts on the week one hat and kyle and donnell goes that's right son you are the week one <laughs> that didn't goes, start off like the way he intended and kyle goes no it's, i think you spell it you spell week differently if you meant that. And, and Donald goes, not in my neighborhood. You know what? You just have a hat that says week on it. Oh, I laughed so hard at that. That's hilarious. Donnell's just such a, and he's. He's like the, he is the youngest spirit I've ever met. He I think is, he's like 102. He's 100. <laughs> he is the youngest spirit I've ever met. Touring with him, like, just. You know, we've done so many shows with Chappelle together, and that was like 
I can't tell half of the damn stories, but oh, my bet. God, it's so fucking funny. He's the funniest guy. He was juicing leftover vegetables from our green rooms, right? He was walking around like, yo, son, nobody's eating this celery and these carrots in these green rooms. They're on the rider. <laughs> nobody's touching them. So he takes them, and I walk on the, uh, on the tour bus. It was in Syracuse. I'll never forget it. He has a brand new fucking juicer sitting there on the, you know, the kitchenette in yeah. the tour bus, and he has all these, like, beautiful uh jars you know these like glass jars that you can just perfect he's just baby carrots he's just panning out you know those like trays of veggies panning them out and uh it was his fault i ended up taking shit on that tour bus and i was (laughs) fucking drinking his juice i gotta cook for him tonight Mm. i don't and i know he's i know he's Dude, he's so pretty. I, I just he can't let someone cook around him. Oh yeah, it's hard. <clears throat> but I'm the uh, same way though, man. How did you meet Chappelle? So Dave, so I was, uh, so I started stand up in '99, like professionally, and I was touring, and I joined a group called Allah Made Me Funny. It was two other, it was three I of think us. I saw that on Amazon. This, um, I want no, I want to say uh, this sounds right. I think I saw clips of that on MySpace back in the day. Oh my God, that's very possible. Actually, yeah, because yeah, yeah. I remember it was at the time when it was like right around, right after nine eleven or something. Yeah, it was a few years after. <clears throat> I, th- I saw that. I think I saw that right when I had, right when I started having kids. That's amazing. Yeah, so we we uh, we well, Preacher Mall started the tour and then uh, co-founded it with Azhar, and then they asked me to join the tour. And there was uh, another guy on the tour too, and then he f- fell off, and we ended up touring together, and uh, we ended up having a lot of global success. Like we just made a documentary stand-up film we released that into independent theaters like totally indie situation and we started touring south africa australia throughout europe we're doing theaters and you know 25 city tours and 28 city tours in uh in the uk and throughout scotland like uh holland sold out tours in amsterdam and then scandinavia this is 2008 you know like before anybody knew that you could you know uh the stand-up art form itself was barely in its infancy globally right so it was just uh it was uh, you know dave heard about us was a fan of ours he came out to our show in columbus ohio in 2007 and his family his mom came out his niece came out his uh, sister came out and his brother came out and he ended up surprising our audience and doing an hour after we finished and he just like of course smashed <laughs> completely <Yeah>. clean <clears throat> completely really? clean he said ass once and apologize which is insane to me Dude, i don't want to hear and this just, story anymore and, but no he <laughs> murdered i'm like but he murdered that's the genius of Chappelle, where he's able to like shift gears and be equally hilarious and it was just a, it was a moment that we all went out to dinner afterwards and we get to know each other that way and then when he was uh, when dave was starting to do shows up again and we happened to be in uh Uzzer and i were in uh san francisco at the time and we had our own show and he happened to be down the street like in oakland and we're like oh my god you know let's go say hello and we went in this is like 2012 and went in and said hello to him and then he was like why don't y'all come open up tomorrow uh and then we <clears> did <throat> and he's like come again tomorrow night and I mean, he just kept adding me to shows, and we did Atlanta, and then he was like, why don't you come next week? Why don't you come next week? And now it's like 600-plus shows later. Really? Yeah, of, uh, and that's how the relationship happened. Does he, Does he? not to, not to switch to, but Chappelle's like a great white shark in our business. Mm-hmm. Does he, like when you hang out with Burr, you can see him working. You yeah. can see his brain working. Yeah, absolutely. Every second you're with Burr, you're like, like you almost realize okay every conversation we're having 
none of these are going to be my bits. Right. These are ideas he's been laying in bed, chewing on. Right. And now he's running them by me. Is that what what's, what's Chappelle like to be around? He's very similar to that for <clears throat> sure. I mean, Dave is always thinking. He's always thinking. He's always processing. He's um, you know he says the hardest part is this. Yeah. And you know. He just sits in that reflection. It's hard to even talk to him. It's like you don't even exist in front of him. You know, yeah. sometimes when he's in the zone, when he's in the zone zone, you just let him be. And we all do that to a certain extent, for sure. But Dave definitely does it. We've spent hours of conversations and breaking things down, and just brothers, you know, just talking, I shooting the shit. To been on that tour bus when yeah. the Louis shit went down. Oh my! We weren't Donnell. on a tour. <laughs> we weren't on a tour that we had our phone calls for sure. <laughs> Called Dave immediately when the times things dropped, and we had yeah. a conversation about it. Yeah, I mean it's a big part in our industry for, for sure. I mean comedians are going to talk about it and do that. I, you know, I was there the night he came back for that. I was at the cellar and I got left oh, fielded really? by the times. Yeah, they called me up and I was sitting next to. Uh, I maybe she didn't want me to say her name, but anyway, so I, I was sitting <laughs> next to her. And it, it said unknown number on the phone. I was, I was like, ah, I'm like, I hate when people call me unknown and and she was like uh maybe it's a celebrity i was like yeah, yeah sometimes i do get unknown you know so yeah. it happens so i pick up the phone i was like hey it's the times what were you doing i was like jesus christ man i was just doing sets uh i saw louie i was just like in and out i was just yeah. like hey he walked on stage at the cellar people went crazy and uh he was killing seemed like everything was cool and i had to go do another set i don't know anything else and that's legit yeah. what it was it was just like quick and hung up the phone so it's very fascinating, you know, in our business, what's happening with that, how it's going. It's like, that's a whole it's a, it's another a, it's situation. A whole situation that, which sad is like, I mean, I, I don't, I don't know when this airs, but like, I was talking to my cousin. My cousin's not in the business yeah. at all, and all he said was, "I thought it was fucking f- amazing." He was like, "I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's more a statement about this industry is that no one's willing to to." throw themselves out to the lambs to host the Oscars because they're afraid of what's in their past, what's in right. their timeline. Right. They're like, he's like, no one will even do it. Cause they're like, no nah, man, I can't be put under that scrutiny. And if That's no true. one wants to be put on that scrutiny guy or girl, right. Then I think that just says, <laughs> what was that? That's the fucking vacuum for the pool. <laughs> <laughs> Even the pool vacuum's like, I don't want to be voted for the Oscars. Fuck me, to get my name out of that. Did it say me too? <laughs> but yeah, it's uh, it's he's like he's like that's just fucked. He's like, would you do it? And I was like, oh no, I would never fucking host the Oscars. Yeah, yeah. And he was like, yeah, no one will host the Oscars. Yeah. They're like, I don't know what I've said. <laughs> I don't know what I've, I mean. I, you you grew, you started in Houston, yeah, and that's where I, that's the first place I started headlining regularly was at the awesome. last stop. Oh man, I missed that place so much. No, we we were both there when Pete was running it. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I was there before Pete too. Oh, yeah, for real? yeah, yeah. Bef- yeah, I mean, it was I was in Houston, so I was. Oh yeah, that was yeah, like yeah. one of the open mics that we'd go hit up. It was the hottest open. You were mic. there when Babbitt was running it, of course. Yeah, yeah, I was there. <laughs> oh, those were the days. <laughs> man, those were the days. Like I used to when Joe, I was a kid. I was like 17, 18 years old. And Joe and uh, and uh, and Joey were at the club, and I was trying to, you know, I was just hanging out with them, and and uh, I can see Joey, Joey loving you. I got it, man. I I feel some type of way about Joey because I just feel like we have so much to talk about. Yeah. And uh, and it makes me sad, honestly, that we haven't talked about it, and I just can't wait 
to see him because I remember being this young kid. Like he had, he give me pep talks. Mo, it's what you gotta fucking do. You gotta go to LA. Stop fucking bullshitting. You know, sitting there wasting your fucking time. Go out to LA. He was just constantly telling me that, and I had a vision for myself. I'm like, yeah, I think I'm not mature enough for this yet. I saw a lot of guys going to LA and coming back with their tail tucked between their legs. I was like, I want to be a great comedian first, and then I'll go to New York, and then I'll come to LA. That was yeah. the whole plan and strategy. And it doesn't mean I wasn't popping in and out of LA all the time. But I, I love Joey. Like, Mo, you got to do this. And I was like, yo, I'll pick you up and go to the airport, not knowing that he was having a fucking ball and I was going to be driving around at 6 a.m. trying to find, <laughs> trying to get a hold of him. I was like, I quit. You know, I was just yeah. this young, motivated kid was trying to pick him up. So I love that that era. And I've always, uh, I have like a love-hate relationship with like who Babbitt is, you know? Yeah. Like he did a lot for that club to bring in all the top guys. I mean, my God, Mitch Hedberg, you know, did his album there. Uh, uh, you know, Joe Rogan, I think, did his first album there. I did there. my first album there. You did, you did first. I mean, my God, it was like that room, right? So, but at the same time, he fucking ruined that place. Like, yeah. unfortunately, you know, he ruined <clears> it. <throat> and then Pete took over and then that whole happened and then they moved the club and it was just like, it lost its nostalgia. It's, uh, I see Pete every time I go to Houston. Yeah. Yeah, he comes out, he brings a big group too. He hadn't yeah. changed at all. Yeah, at all. He's Not still at all. the same guy. <laughs> yeah, to the point where you're like, you don't, do you have Twitter? Do you, <laughs> you know what people are talking about? <laughs> Pete's a, Pete was a... Pete was a great guy for me. Yeah. He really was. He he. That club was established. Yeah. Brought me down because Dane canceled at the last minute. Right. And they were like, this guy's like Dane. And Pete's like, I'll take him. Yeah, it's fun. And so I had sold out shows that weekend because Dane was supposed to be there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, he was like, you're funny. I just had a kid, I think. And he was like, why don't you come down Thanksgiving? Mm. And I'll put, I'll pay you I'll pay you three grand, mm -hmm. which was a lot. I mean, right. it's a lot of now, course. but it was, it was a lot then yeah, to me. A, man, that's a lot. Yeah, <clears> put sure. me in. He said, bring your daughter, bring your wife, and put me up at a really nice, like a suite in a yeah. hotel. Mm -hmm. It was the best. It was one of the best Thanksgivings I've ever had in my life. Look, man, I, I, at the same like for Mark, the way he ran that club was like almost he was trying to do it with the what the store was doing. You know, you have to yeah. hang out at the club or else you don't go up, and that's the way it's gonna be. I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, like I'm trying to be a good comedian here. I'm trying to like be great. I'm going on the road. I'm doing one-nighters. You can't fucking punish me for working on the road. And when I come back, I'm present. You can't be like, where were you last Monday? And that's what he would do to me. I mean, I was like 17, 18, 19 year old kid. I'm like, bro, I, I don't understand. So I went to the comedy showcase and that was like where Ralphie Mae was mentored by Danny Martinez, who's my mentor as well. And, uh, and, um, and, and that's why I learned stand-up was from Danny why everybody was just trying to hang out at the laugh stop and get his attention so they can get stage time. I was getting stage time and I was getting better. And then when Pete took over, he was very kind to me and brought me in right away. He was like, why isn't this guy working his fucking room? It's no brainer. And he would bring me in all the time. And actually I had a similar story. Um, what's his name? Canceled. Uh, um, he doesn't do, I don't do no fucking second show Fridays. <laughs> um, um, my God, come on, smoke a cigarette. Oh, Dice. Uh, Dice, yeah, <laughs> Dice. Dice cancel. He's like, I don't do no fucking second show Fridays. So Pete calls me up. I was like, hey, man, Dice doesn't want to do second show Friday. Can you come headline room? It was like my first experience headlining the room. And I walk in. They're like, Dice is up there. Don't fucking, don't go up there. He's up there hanging out. And I was like, whatever. It's my room now. I'm going to go say hello. I love Dice. Yeah. I'm just going to use this opportunity to tell me I can't go up there. I went up there. I was making a 
sandwich. I was like, doing that. He's like, who the fuck is this guy in my room right now? <laughs> so I wasn't disrespectful, but I was just like, hey, very excited. And, and you know, you grew up watching this guy. So it's just like I had to just be in the same room. And that's yeah. the first time Pete headlined me there. And, and it was, uh, it was again, he was so nice to me. He was so good to me as well for a Houston guy to come in and headline that room. It's like, yeah, about time. That's how I felt. And at the same time, I was sad to see the place go, you know? Yeah, you, we, uh, I had, um, when we were talking about the net, doing our Netflix special, they were like, so where, dream scenario, what would it be? Yeah. Like dream, dream, dream scenario. I said dream scenario, like dream scenario, we go in and rebuild the laugh stop. Oh my God. Go into that restaurant <laughs> and just take it over, mm -hmm. take their footprint and rebuild the laugh stop. And then shoot a special there. You shoot. You can shoot a couple. There would be people that'd be like, oh, "I'll fly down and shoot a special there real quick." You're a hundred percent right. It would happen, man. That's crazy. I'm sure there's all this stuff in storage at some place. Yeah, um, I I guarantee you could fucking. But I don't know. I don't. I don't even. I haven't even been. I haven't been to. When I go to Houston, I'm so in that little spot of the run to the improv and the run back. Right. Right. That right. I don't. I don't even. You do the improv when you're there now, yeah. Yeah. That's like, I mean, there's that, and then there's like, they try to, that they just moved, like, the Comedy Showcase sold, and the Comedy Showcase, again, was like an iconic club in Houston as well for, for comedians, like, really working their way up. And that's, again, like, that's where Ralphie May started, T-Shawn Shannon started there. Yeah. I mean, it was like a, there's such a long list of names of guys that came out of there. Um, so, man, there needs to be another spot there. There needs to be. Yeah, I think Houston was, was such a scene. It was such a scene, man. Especially People that. Don't understand. Before that, it was Spellbinders, too. Spellbinders. Dude. Do you remember that spot? It was like in the mid-90s, and I was trying to I was trying to get in there as a fucking 15-year-old. And they were like, yeah, you got to send us a cassette. Like, literally a cassette tape of your stand-up. I was like, I don't have that so i was just like doing my jokes and a fucking thing trying to submit that to get into the club yeah and bill hicks was a big part of that place dana carvey was coming in there all the time and uh and they were always like really good friends and you know admired each other as stand-ups but you know sam kennison started there and with the with the what is it workshop uh comedy club and there was like yeah. five six comedy clubs in the early 80s and throughout the 80s and then it was left spot and left stop and then the comedy showcase and then the improv you know it was just a lot of clubs and now it's just basically one one and a half like to me the other one's outside of the city and so it's just it's just uh sad to see such a big place yeah missing out on so much for what sure what was it like growing up in houston how much like like what was the what was it like what was your ch childhood like was it because it feels like it was rough mm. i know that you got into some side hustles yeah 100 percent. like what was that because like that from my perspective mm. i i would say i had probably a very privileged upbringing meaning right. uh private schools right not like but mostly my high school was all predominantly cuban right but, <laughs> but uh but uh not but it's just every you know it's like I, there wasn't a separation i didn't see a difference between cuban and white and i didn't it just didn't right what was that like in houston yeah so to go from i so i had a mixture of both right so in kuwait i had that private school that you know that experience and then coming to houston and being in like public school esl class and it was just very very different and so you know, to have that where you need to make money, you need to provide for yourself, you need to like just regular things in high school that I wanted to have, yeah. like going to dances or just, you know, going out and doing this and that or hanging out with my friends, going to the arcade, like you need some money for that. So it was just very traditional. So my dad died 
once he passed away, his uh, his best like his good friends in Houston gave me a job at I was fourteen. Or gave me a job at their uh, Cook Road Mini Mart. <laughs> it was like That's straight crazy, stereotypical thing. That's the crazy like in the hood. Like I learned all the bad habits there. Like everything, smoking. Uh, you know, we learned about weed. Learned about you know stolen TVs. I learned about people would show up like, listen, can I get some milk? I got a stolen TV out there. I'm like what? <laughs> what is that, kind of TV is it? <laughs> is that is that ingrained like this? Uh, by the way, uh, everything I'm going to say about mm. Palestinians is comes out of absolutely knowing nothing. Yeah, but it seems like uh, the Palestinian the Palestinian way mm -hmm. is like you become a man really young, right? And you and you have to hustle. Yes. Like I, I always, I don't know anything about Palestine. I only know, I only know like a few Palestinians. Mm -hmm. But it was like, it was like, yo, we know, we don't have a home. Mm -hmm. We're gonna make it. We're right. gonna hustle. We're not gonna. We're not gonna be beaten down. They have an entrepreneurial spirit. For That's sure. what I meant. To I was say. visiting my cousins recently. I was. We're in the middle of the village in Burin, right outside of Nablus, and we're just. I'm sitting in the car, and I look over to my right. I was like, "Is that little baby driving that car?" Like, I swear to God, <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Is that a baby?" Like, I said, "Baby, <laughs> yeah. is that a baby?" And my cousin was like, "Yeah." I was like, "What? Pull up a second. We pull up, and I look over. It's a child." A fucking child driving this vehicle. I'm like, how are you really about the driver? You just about to park. He's like, no, I'm driving. I was like, how old are you? He was like nine. I was like nine. <laughs> and then his dad gets in, shuts the door. He's like, bye. And he drives off in the village. And it's like it's a village. There's no fucking roads. Yeah. And you're on mountains. Like this kid's like, see y'all later. Brrr, just going up. <laughs> like what the fuck? So they are. They they do get involved very early. And I had a job when I was 14. And I ever I've never had a job interview my whole life. Yeah. It was just like. Like they know you, family, give this kid a job. I worked there for like six months. Thank God I quit. And then I, that place got robbed like two weeks later after I quit. I barely mm. missed it. I mean, it was so bad. I was selling fake Rolexes to and Movados and tag hewers to all these drug dealers in the neighborhood. I'd put on fake Versace sunglasses and they'd walk in and be like, damn, Mo, those are some dope ass sunglasses. I'm like, yeah, last pair, man. He's like, you want to sell them? I was like, yeah, how much? 125 And they bought them. I was like, damn, I could make this into a business. Yeah. And every time it was the last pair. Man, that's a nice watch. I know, man. It's the last one. It's the last one I got. For real? Yeah. And I would just sell it by the end of the week everybody's wearing the same shit and they would come back upset you told me this is the last pair you had fucking Dwayne has the same shit on I have on I was like look man I got this new Movado it's one of a kind I'm telling you I'm not I'm not bullshitting it's the only one I'm gonna have with this and they'd be like alright I'll take it and I would yeah. just sell so much <clears throat> there and I ended up uh my mother had a job at uh, at Taco Cabana. You know, it was like in in the mall. Like that's what she was doing, and uh, she got me a job at this place called Chicken Etc. I was fourteen. I fucking shouldn't be working. You know, yeah. much less doing that all under the table. And then the and then being at the mall, this lady who uh, my friend actually worked for the for she was like taking pictures for the Easter Bunny. You know, people come in and take pictures of the Easter Bunny. She was like, oh man, he has a great attitude. He's funny. Maybe we should make him the Easter Bunny. I was like this Muslim. Easter money at the mall, oh 14 God. years old. So I had that kind of jobs. And then I worked at a flag place. My mom made me get a job after I graduated. I was like, mom, be a comedian. Just chill out. Just give me time. And she's like, no, no, you need a job. So I ended up running a flag store. So like I, flags? Yeah, flags. Import, export of flags. Like a distributor for flags. flags. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I worked there for like 18 months and I was still going on the road and I'd come back and I finally, I was trying to get fired forever. But 9-11 happened right when I was working there and uh, uh, George W. made an announcement like, hey, if you, you need to display your patriotism by buying an American flag. You remember? Yeah. And so 
everybody didn't even know the flag market existed, you know, and yeah. everybody needed flags. So we had like 20,000 U.S. flags and 20,000 flagpoles. Oh flagpoles God. have been there fucking forever. She had to blow the dust off of it. And people were coming, I need an American flag. Like, and, and I got to give it up for the guy who owned the, owned the place. He never raised it one dollar like he was selling it still at wholesale prices when he could have been gouging like crazy really and we sold out so much and it's texas right so these people were calling non-stop and i'm out of everything american flag anything that has an american flag on it people come out i need an american flag i was like man i'm out what do you want me to do like you want me to stitch something for you like no i need an american flag well i have an american flag with john wayne on it he was like i'll take it i was like <laughs> selling these fucking things i have an american flag with the native american on it. i'll take it you know they'll take anything yeah. robert lee flag with american flag. i'll take it they didn't give a fuck it was sold out i'll take don't trade on me civil war flags yeah i'll take it yeah. i'm like these guys betsy ross hell yeah i was like no this, don't do this so we sold I'll all take a those Sixers jersey 100 100 it was so insane I'm, I'm i swear to hand to god man this guy walks in, i need the american flag it's like bro i don't have anything there's nothing there's no i don't have anything for you. you're too late you missed the ship and he wouldn't take no for an answer i was like well i have a liberia flag uh <laughs> the the stripes are just switched but the same colors and instead of 50 stars it's just one big white star in the middle of a blue square he was like i'll take it i was like, this fucking guy's <laughs> walking around like america forever it's like it's a liberia flag general butt naked <laughs> just, they, i sold all of those oh my god it was crazy. It was absolutely madness. What's what is um what is in turn I wrote a whole bit about it in the special. It's like one of my favorite things. What is um what is being Palestinian like? Like what is like I, I, I'll I'll tell you from my perspective. Being Irish, mm -hmm. uh, Irish German, um, uh, every time their family gets together, we're drinking. Where mm -hmm. it's beers. All the guys go out in the garage. We go to my nana's house. Mm -hmm. Um. We tell stories about their dad and, mm -hmm. and but drinkings around us and 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 uh, and there's like a there's a weird uh, connection to Ireland that none of us really have right but we believe we you know it's like our connection but you do yeah you know like uh, this is an interesting like side fact but they scientists found out that DNA hold memories yeah so you're having feelings you're having these like sensations and this connection that is innately inside your bloodstream like, yeah. it's there you don't even know that it's there but you feel like that's home that's where that's where your soul came from something mm -hmm. so that's there but being palestinian is one of the hardest things you could be you know because there's so much misinformation out there so much misinformation. so much misinformation there's also um there's this like taboo of talking about who you are it's like very difficult to have a regular conversation yeah without people having these you know images in their head of what you are and where you come from and quite frankly you know we're kind of victims of what the British Empire did at the time, you know? So it's like we are displaced peoples. So break down, break down what happened to Palestine. I for, mean, it's hard. It's a long story, but... Uh, Palestine was... And by the way, if I'm saying mm -hmm. something where you go, well, that's part of the misinformation or that's touch... Like, let me know, but like Palestine was Israel, correct? Or um, Jerusalem. Wait. Right, yeah, exactly. So you are... <laughs> I don't even fucking so know again, anything, man. So... 
Yeah, so it's <laughs> again. This is, is this, gonna, this, is, this is where it gets slippery, man. <laughs> man, boy, let me tell you, man, we're we're on slippery slope on this one, buddy, boy. Yeah, Bert brought it up. The damn Irish Germans will just bring up anything, weren't they? Uh, so, you know, it was just Arabia. First of all, it's like all just this, you know, a free land, and people were there. It was under Ottoman rule as well at the time where this all happened, right? And the British Empire took over and sliced all these different parts. Like France had Lebanon and still different parts. Istanbul, was, Constantinople. And it's, yeah. That's <laughs> Are you song. rapping right now? That's, that's a song by some band. That was, that's all I remember from that we band. We can't talk about this seriously. <laughs> we can't talk about it at all. No, it, it was just, uh, you know, it was it existed there. And then there was like a time where the, the Jewish people wanted their own state. And, uh, and uh, basically this territory, which is Palestinian territory, was just given to the Jewish people or Zionists yeah. and they created their own country around that. And what they say is that this was Israel like thousands of years ago. So this really belongs to us, but there was like several countries in the running. I think Uganda was in the running. Really? <laughs> Interesting enough. Uh, uh, Argentina was in the running. There's like two or three other countries. Bottom line is that it was, it, Palestine was given to, uh, to the Zionists or Jewish peoples to migrate to create their own country, well, that's a problematic thing because you have people living there and this whole idea of like, there was nobody there. It was an empty land of so and so. It was like, yeah, it was also like, you know, the 30s, 40s, <laughs> when it became uh, a state in 45 or officially in 48, um, you know, it was late 40s. Yeah, there were farmers, bro. Yeah, there was yeah. a lot of empty land, I'm sure, but it was owned by somebody. So it was it was uh, it was a very slippery thing, and a lot of people were displaced because of that, taken out of their homes and and uh, and to create other homes for other peoples. But that's problematic. It's like somebody coming into your house right now, Bert, and be like, "Listen, uh, we need a home, and thank you for your sacrifice. Have a nice, you know, I don't know what you're gonna do, but thank yeah. you. You know, you got to move." So there was just, you know, there's a, it's a problematic thing. You can't just do that without acknowledging that this is problematic and it needs to be resolved amicably and figure out a way to to coexist unfortunately it's not what happened you know and you have all this now and it's a it's a sick thing because it's so sad because i hear all these wonderful stories of my grandfather playing cards with jewish people christians you know that land is Many faiths exist there. Palestine, excuse me, Muslims, Christians, and Jewish peoples have always existed in that area, and they've always coexisted very well. In that. I mean, they, was, I mean, not always, but yeah. definitely in that time. From what I was told from my own family, from my own grandfather, is that it was a you know like Christmas trees were around. People would wish each other Merry Christmas, and Muslims would wish that for them. And then Hanukkahs would come around, and they would they would have that relationship. And specifically, Jewish peoples and Muslim people have so many similarities in their holidays, lunar calendar, all these different things where they really bonded. You know, fasting and what have you. So it's very sad to see it what it is today. Yeah, you know, it's very 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 depressing to see what it is today. A wall being up separating families is disturbing. And the way it is is disturbing. So even talking about this is difficult, but at the same time, you know, it needs to happen. It's you difficult. Know? It it's needs difficult to be because, able to be yourself. Because there is there are people who assume that it then becomes it becomes like teams. Right. Like you're going like, well, if he's Palestinian, then clearly he believes that we need to take down you know Yes. Uh, we we did a episode of Trip Flip 
I've, I, man, I, I being dead serious when I say, I, I mean, I knew there was problems in Israel and and uh, there was problems Palestinian with yeah, Palestinians. Yeah. And I knew that. Uh, we did an episode of Trip Flip. Mm-hmm. Our director uh, was a director, uh, executive producer was mm-hmm. Jewish, mm-hmm. and we uh, got uh, a dude, a Palestinian dude, who's mar- who's dating a, a white chick, uh-huh. but I'm I. I, I I can't say I don't see race. That, that is, I think, in fact, racist when you say that. Yeah. I, you should see race, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't even know I what to say I can identify. I can look at somebody yeah. and be like, oh, he's from, yeah. you know, he's from Guadalajara. You know, yeah. like, I can tell. But, I, but yeah. I, I didn't realize there was conflict. And then it was, I mean, it was, I'd never seen anything like this in my life. I guess there was tension between our director and this cast, the guy <laughs> we brought. Is. And it was, it was based off of, it was based off the guy felt like, the guy felt one thing. I don't know if that was accurate. I didn't see that even, mm-hmm. but all of a sudden it escalated into literally a religious war between these two guys. It's not religious though. That's what irritates or, me. It shouldn't not, be. No, it's not a religious thing. It's a matter of property. You know, yeah. there's a matter of like, hey, I had to leave my house for you, and then there's like international law that it's in place that's being broken, but still continue to go. And then if I talk about it, you're vilified for it. You know, you're like, look at this guy. He's anti-Semitic. I'm like, bitch, I'm Semitic. I'm genetically Semitic. I can't be anti-me, motherfucker. (laughs) That's a great... I can't. That's that's a great title for an album. Genetically Semitic. Oh, that's actually good. (laughs) Genetically Semitic. Join my (laughs) next Netflix special, Genetically Semitic. You can't talk about it because it's it's almost like... it's But it's fucked up, man. It's like, look, we need to have this conversation and just be cool about it. Like, it's not a, it's not a religious thing. It's not anything like that. It's just a human rights thing. It's just like, yo, what do I want for my brother? I want for myself. Like, I really mean that when I say that. And it's very frustrating because we do get along, but you have all this other discourse around it to create the separation. So those people that are in higher power to make more money and to do their thing. I mean, that's really what it comes down to, to me. Yeah. Same thing in America that's happening today. all this like pollution of information and then creating separation that separation is going to get you to conquer more and get more you know so it's just it's very it makes me sad it just makes me sad i just want to be able to have like an honest conversation and just be cool like can't we just hang out and just talk yeah it's uh these these two guys that became a religious war these two guys (laughs) like it it was fucking bad it was really bad and i was and and it got to the place where uh, I won't say anyone's names, but the mm-hmm. Jewish guy was like, I knew from the second we picked you, this was going to happen. <laughs> and he was like, I saw the way you were looking at me. me. And I was like, oh my God. Yeah. Literally, I'm so far removed. Yeah. The Jewish guy looked more Palestinian than the Palestinian guy, yeah, in right, my opinion. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even... <laughs> I was but that like, happens all the time. Sarah Silverman's jokes was... Oh, I love what, Sarah. Sarah Silverman's joke was, uh, I mean, Palestinians and Israelis, I it's like... Sweet potatoes and yams. I can't yeah, tell them apart. Yeah. <laughs> She's right. By the way, she probably would denounce that joke now as woke as she is. And go, yeah. I, when I said that, I apologize. Oh, no, no, She's, she wouldn't. I hope she wouldn't. She's, dude, that's I, a funny That's a funny thing. That's really I thought that was fucking, say. I think, I think yeah. Sarah's funny as fuck. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, she's outstanding. I get that all the time. Like, oh, you look like you're my peepers, you know? And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I already know where this is going. And she's like, are you from Israel? I was like, yeah, I'm Palestinian. And she's like, yeah, you know, but <laughs> well, and then it becomes a whole conversation. But 
honestly, very rarely I've ever had like a super heated negative conversation. Yeah. Unless you're just, you know, you're just a hard-headed person. I don't, it's not, it doesn't come down to Jewish, Palestinian, nothing. And the really what I want to say is that when you have so many years that go by with something that's unresolved, just illnesses come from that, right? It's like, a, it's like having a bad relationship with uh, your parent, like your mother or father. If you don't resolve it right away, so many issues linger, then years go by and you have children, your children's children have children, and it's like, oh, tell me stories about your grandfather. Ah, fuck that guy. You know what I mean? Like, that's what happened, you know, and that's what I feel has happened. So much time has gone by without real dialogue, without conversation, and so many things that transpired. So, therefore, there's going to be illnesses that come from that experience and and they're going to leak into it for many years to come. So, that's where I. I get sad I'm like oh man so much time has gone by without a true resolve and without respect and this is where we're at now that's yeah. what it feels like so and the only thing i can do is have good relationships have positive interactions and hold my own personal feelings aside and continue to have dialogue because in the end that's the only way anything is going to get resolved if we're both not talking to each other nothing's going to work you, well, you've, your energy is so positive and so Thank you, man. And so playful. It's, it's <laughs> like, you know, it's like Donnell. When we talk about Donnell, yeah. Donnell might be one of the most playful guys in the world. In the world. Yo, Patrice was it. a playful guy. Yeah. Like I just, never had the, I, haven't, I didn't get to interact with Patrice. Oh, he would have loved you. I would have loved to Patrice, I think Patrice took a liking to anyone, anyone that was like, I'd say outside the norm. I'd say immigrant is like a Patrice immediately felt like that he liked that underdogs like he loved Russell Peters oh that's funny love like that <laughs> from the second he met Russell Peters he loved that guy so we we went to uh we went we were in Mon- uh Scotland all me Patrice and Voss were in Scotland amazing and, and uh, Voss Rich Voss <laughs> yeah Rich Voss and uh Russell Peters is young I mean ju- I mean he was, he was he probably had been through the rounds but he was still young and he was doing a room like maybe 200 seats in Scotland and Patrice like we got to see this guy and I was like okay I was I was really I was like 26 at the time 27 and we went in to watch he loved Russell Peters but I think Patrice would have loved you man I would have loved to meet him too he would have loved busting your balls too oh oh, yeah all day and that's what I that's when I learned playing the dozens too it's like that was freaked me out because in like when I was walking to school in Houston and I see all these black guys together talking shit about each other's mothers I mean, Arabs, bro, we take that seriously. You talk about it to his mothers. This war, bro. Yeah. It's like, what'd you say about mom? Like, it's, <laughs> oh. it's just fucking jihad comes out. The jihadi comes out of you, and you're going back home to collect the army, and you come back, and just you your don't family's talk about honor. You don't, you don't <laughs> talk about mother's honors, bro. That's a huge thing, For bro. real? Huge thing. You talk about somebody's mama's, and I'm walking to school. It's like, your mama's so fat. She needed a boomerang to put on a belt. I was like, what did he say about his mother? Oh, I'm just waiting for fucking bloodshed. You know what I mean? Like, you can't. You can't. And that's where I learned the dozens. I was like, oh, that's how you survive out here. This is just a game where they play with each other. And it always does escalate. Somebody, whoa, what you say? And it becomes a whole situation. That's why roast battle, you don't, they don't have mothers. That's one of the rules in roast battle, right? Really? That you can't talk about each other's mothers. Really? That's more, I think so. Yeah, that's one of the rules. Dude, those guys are brutal. Did you see. Brutal. Did you see the, the, the the Instagram post that Roast Battle posted. Which one? It was fucking. Which one? They posted the notes comedy said to take it down. 
they posted the notes Comedy Central uh, gave them. Oh my god! And they were like, um, "Please, the notes were funnier than whatever the joke could have been." <laughs> well, I want to see this. Uh, please remove any references to Jews being hatched and not born. What? Uh, that is <laughs> indefensible. Please take out any rape uh any all these positive references <laughs> to rape it was so fucking Jesus. funny that you were that i they took it down immediately but it was yeah. the notes comedy central gave them were funnier than the jokes could have been <laughs> dude let's take a second yeah. and celebrate black men yes i i i don't know what it is and you spend a majority of your time on tour with two of the funniest in the world yes but there's something that like with all the fucking shit black men have to go through in this world, right. there's something that I don't know what it is. I absolutely, Segura and I do this. Uh -huh. We love black men more than white men all day fucking long. Donnell and Red taught me about black yeah. men. They taught me about <laughs> black people. I didn't know shit. I, I, I literally was ignorant. They were like, I remember I got into a fight with this woman named Lunell. Yeah. I didn't even get in a fight. I guess I was talking to her, <laughs> but she was yelling at me. And Donnell was like, son. She's talking to you. And I was like, she's yelling. He goes, stop getting your feelings hurt. Yeah, exactly. You're getting fucking feelings hurt yeah, yeah. over a person talking to you. Yeah, that's Arab. That's why I relate to black folks. That's why I have a lot of black friends is because we're the same. Like, we, you think we're yelling at each other, having a horrible conversation. I'm like, no, I just was saying that I want Skittles from the store. You know, like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, why are you yelling at each other? I'm like, no, no, we're just talking about when we're going to meet up later. What do you mean? Yeah. So I, I related to that. So, I mean, just relate to them. It's like my it's my brothers, you know. Like once yeah. they find out, I'm because they don't know, right? So I talk about my special. I almost got jumped by this black gang, and they were like, "Jose, what the fuck you doing in my neighborhood, Jose? Yeah. And this name better turn your bitch ass around, Jose." Yeah. And I was like, "Nah, man, my name is Muhammad." He was like, "Ah, oh, man, salam alaikum, brother. Shit, I'm my man, you know, <laughs> cool man, cool." We become friends. Salam alaikum, my brother. When I was touring in South Africa, bro, I people were just like, I was in Durban. And I was about to walk out. No, Cape Town. I was about to walk out and go buy some cigarettes. At, like it was at, it was after midnight, and the security guy was like, "No, bro, you can't walk out there and like buy. I go get the cigarette for you, bro. Don't worry." Like yeah. I was like, "Bro, just chill the fuck out." I had a shirt that's written in Arabic. It's called. Uh, it said "Mu'min," which means believer. And I put on a kufi cap, right? Just put us like a skull cap. Just put it on, and I just was walking out. At that time, I just had a little goatee too. I didn't even have this beard. And I was just walking down the street. I disappeared for several hours because I ended up smoking weed and hanging out with these guys and like the slums. I was just like, I didn't know I was walking. I was just walking. People were just like, Slam, like, bro. I was like, Wa alaikum salam. Sitting on milk crates, fucking smoking Durban poison and just hanging out. And then I came back. I swear to God, the security guard was about to call the authorities. Like he thought. You got killed. I, he thought like Bangkok got me or some shit. Like yeah. he thought that I was just like gone, kidnapped. He was horrified. I come back stoned as shit. No cigarettes. Like what happened? <laughs> so that's you were in a world cup, a world cup. <laughs> but I was like, <laughs> shit got crazy man shit got crazy man got fucking pet lions with me coming back bro it was nuts out there no so that's I feel very safe like from my background like I can just go in and just and and just like we can bond with black folks like it's just like it's this thing yeah. I don't know it's just this bond uh, there's um Black men, black men. I love the way black men take care of their clothes. Right. Like I, Donnell's. Like I remember watching Donnell press his pants. Hilarious. And I was like, I was like, I, I. There's so many d huge differences, mm. like that that are just cultural, where you just because go they like, have to be so much better at it, everything. 
I think I don't think you realize when you're white just how easy life is. Yeah. Like you just go, oh, it's rough for me. Like not not all white guys. I'm not. I'm definitely oh, not talking sure. to all white guys. Listen, I'm talking about me. But like I went through life going like, yeah, I've had my struggles, and then you. I remember. I remember Donnell had a joke about uh, waiting for his dad to pick him up, yeah. and his dad never showed up. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, it was the most um, most intense joke. It was funny as fuck. But I was sitting there going, I don't know anything about a struggle. Right. Like, I think that's, I just, I fucking. It's a blessing, bro. I'm hanging out with Donnell and Red tonight. I'm going to be getting fucking wasted. <laughs> he said Donnell wanted me to come crash that. And you, come come by. you should come <laughs> by. You should come by. So I'm gonna, I want to do that. Yeah. I want to come by. I want to see you cook. I want to see what you, what, are you, what's you, on the menu? I have no idea. Well, it's, <laughs> I'll cook, it's, man. Can I tell you, being very yeah. candid, mm -hmm. and by the way, I know I'm saying this out loud, you can't, you can't. You're in a lose-lose situation these days with the media and the mm -hmm. public. Yeah. So when I make a meal for two black guys, I, yeah. I, I everyone I make something cultural. Right. Like Joe Coy, we're trying to find a Filipino dish yeah. that I can make for him. Mm -hmm. But if you make a if if I made a black meal for two black guys, it looks racist. So you're like, well, fuck, I can't make anything. I'm that more worried about the seasoning, to be honest with oh. you. I'm like, don't try. Like if you try to. I know Middle Eastern cuisine like really, really well. Like, yeah. One of the things that we fled the war with was a stack of recipes that have been pieced together from different papers. Really? Like generations in my family that my mom sent with my sister, right? So it's just like, wow, out of so all you try the to make me lentil bring. soup. I'm like, motherfucker, you better garnish it with cilantro. I want to see some peppers. I want to see some shaved carrots. And yeah. like, I, it better be right. I'd rather you serve me a burger. Like, this is the best burger that's, you've ever well, had. That, well, I think, like, that's I think, what I want. I think, well, I, I, that is. So white people meet like, hey man, I've been braising this beef and I've been smoking this beef yeah. last twelve hours. Yeah, that's the shit I want from you. Don't don't try to make me like mensef some like yogurt sauce with lamb and stuff. And you're like, I see the I see the yogurt sauce all broken and not right. I'm like, man, this guy is gonna kill me, oh, man. Dude, I'm going through I a can't. huge lamb phase right now. Are you? I'm going through a huge lamb phase. It's a big thing. First time I went back to do shows in the Middle East, like it was my like my big return. Yeah. I did shows at the Palace in Amman, Jordan. And it's called, it's the name of the theater. So my family had me over, my dad's side, who I barely kind of talked to, but they had me over and they they slaughtered an entire lamb and they put it over, it's a very traditional Arab dish. Oh, and they put drooling. the entire lamb over this massive bed of rice. There's all these like nuts and all the spices and veggies. It's the most, like the entire lamb is on top of the rice and you just you just peel it off and it's been cooked underground food hours and hours and hours oh. and just it's unbelievable dude what I got mean, you in the lamb um i i was i i've been grilling a lot i mean i'm doing the cooking show and so i've been making a lot yeah. of different stuff but i'm doing um i've been grilling a lot and i've been wanting something to take a while yeah and so we went out we went out to uh solvang out to wine tasting with my family mm -hmm. and the guy the chef came out and he was like uh what are you in the mood for and i go i don't know man i'm bored with what i've been eating and he goes, uh, you should try our lamb shank. And I went, what's? I don't, I don't even, I don't think I know what that is. And he goes, really? Oh my god! Oh my god! Brings <laughs> he said, it out. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah he was oh a black god. guy. He was a black guy. Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! <laughs> and so he brings out a lamb shank, and I and I'd had like asabuco. I've had v derivations of it, and I was like, oh, this is fucking amazing. And then he's like, oh my god, yeah. Oh, we. Uh, he was like, lamb's my favorite. He was like, I make a great, um, uh bolognese sauce out mm -hmm. of it or a yeah. ragu yeah and he was like you got it oh and so he started talking to me too. it's Dude, really good in burgers they have it in uh, in new zealand like they have a thing called a ferg burger yeah. it's uh -huh. a lamb burger 
It's one yeah. of the best burgers I've ever had in my fucking yeah. life. I like mixing ground beef with with the lamb, ground lamb together. Yeah, it gives it that fattiness. You know, when you cook it out, it's I made amazing. I made eighteen lamb shanks the other day. Eighteen I lamb shanks. Eighteen lamb. Cause I had a big party. Yeah. So I put them in, uh, red wine, uh, red wine, veggies, carrots. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, you went uh, French with it. What, dude? It. Everyone was shitting on me because it was taking so long uh-huh. oh, and then no. when it was ready oh, yeah. everyone was like this is fucking amazing i was like yeah i got two lamb shanks in there i'm out for lunch dude yeah. i'm i'm going through a huge lamb phase i always say i'm going through a huge something phase yeah yeah no lamb is like it's, by the way like most lamb that you buy in america is gonna be halal so most what's that halal it's like slaughtered by muslims really? so yeah so because muslims eat so much lamb yeah that most of the slaughterhouses are going to be owned by Muslim. I think it's like 90% of the lamb in America. I think some crazy percentage is by that. So that's number one. Number two is that as far as like, as like when I was back in Oman again, my uncle, they, they cook it underground. So they get this huge pot and it has several layers. So they put one layer is all veggies, one layer is meat, 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 right? So just, and then they have veggies at the top. So it's all like mixing together, spice it up like crazy and cook it underground for like four or five hours. You know, if you're in a rush, you can pop it out in three. But it's better Dude, just to be patient. Go oh, God. Just yeah, just I'll just fuck chill. up my landscape just for that. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's not. <laughs> it's easy to do. You just dig in deep. You get a huge metal pot, and it comes in trays that has handles at the top. And I'll show you the video. You just put it in there, and you just seal it. it becomes this like vacuum seal situation, and you got to season it obviously really, really well. But when you bring it out, man, it's all firewood under there, and it's been cooking for hours and hours. You have the smoking it, bro. It's uh, like when you're taking it out, it'll just you'll see it just fall off the bone just by the sheer oh, view moving it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's bone. that's how that's how we cook it. Mensaf is like the to me one of my favorite dishes of all time, and you'll never see it. It has it's basically a yogurt sauce, which is so rare, so hard to make this particular yogurt sauce yeah. with lamb, and it's the most amazing thing you ever had. I fed it to my friend Ray, who's black in houston and he was like what is this milk and meat yo what the fuck is this milk meat i was like ray just trust me bro just eat it and he had it he was like god damn this milk meat is delicious <laughs> never you know it's obviously like a huge if you're jewish if like if you're if you're kosher you never have milk and meat together obviously. oh yeah obviously yeah never work out that's something that they won't take that's something they won't have but it's like it's it's mensef it's called mensef i've got it I, I gotta, go have that. can i go get that at a restaurant today um, I don't know restaurants like that have it here in LA, yeah. but I'll look for you, man. I will. I'll tell you for real. Just take. A, I'll tell you if it's legit or not. Like right out of the gate, and it's usually like a Friday dish. Like if it's a restaurant, they usually will make it once a week. It's really? not something that you know you can get on a daily basis. I had. But this. if you ever, when you go overseas, you go to Amman, Jordan, bro. I will send you this restaurant, this small restaurant called Jerusalem Restaurant. It's in the middle of downtown Amman, Jordan, bro. You will eat there every day and it it's like a it's not a very nice place but they're dressed as if it's bow ties and and suits and you're just like oh my god they don't really match the environment yeah. <laughs> but you walk in and it's the best arab food you will ever have in your life and it's like for like five dollars you know it's like you're having a hundred like if you go to a restaurant some way i open up a restaurant of middle eastern cuisine he's been studying he'll charge you fifty dollars for that dish and you'll go over there, you pay seven, like not even seven bucks. You'll have the best meal you ever had in your life. Do you ever think sliding doors scenario, like what would have happened to you had you guys stayed? 
I think about that all the time. Yeah. Like, what would you be doing? Like, I think what, about like if my dad was alive. That's what I think about mostly. I think about that as like I'd probably been in very rich. I probably my father was a telecommunication engineer. Like he knew everything about phones. We probably been involved in the mobile industry somehow. And, yeah. And yeah, probably would have been an on a Range Rover with a periscope <laughs> yeah. in the front with your three friends. I'd Everyone's, be, <laughs> hey, we, we be fuck pussy. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we do, Habibi. <laughs> Dude, those are my are favorite going? guys. Visiting my third wife. Good times. <laughs> those are my favorite guys to go. Like when you go on Periscope, there's all this on Periscope these days. Is <laughs> I've is, never been on Periscope. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, bro. Can you talk it, to these guys? No. I've been wanting to talk to these motherfuckers forever. Are they Armenians forever. though? Are they Arabs? I'll I don't tell, know, I, dude. Can I just show you my favorite thing in the world to do? Yes, please. This, so Periscope's like a dead app. Yeah. It's like, it was something that came out. Yeah, it was a for thing some, for a second. Yeah. I was on, I was really big on it for, <laughs> like they put my name on the front page, so I got a ton of followers. Brody Stevens is always it's like, on it. It's, yeah, he is. Yeah, that's where I learned about it was if, from Brody. If you go to, it's, well, it's fucking the middle of night in Kuwait. Oh, they're from Kuwait? Uh, dude, they're oh from everywhere. <laughs> Saudi Arabia, Oman, Yemen. Look, this is, oh it's God. still so popular there. These are all the red ones are people that are live right now, and it's the middle of the fucking night. <laughs> That's the best time, though. Dude, where's where is um? That's so funny. Where man. would where would a good where would a bunch of Palestinian guys be? I mean, in, in Syria? Yeah, no. Beirut. <laughs> uh, in Damascus. Syria? You really, I, I really white. don't know anything. I really don't know anything. Where would Palestinians be in Syria? You know what's going on in Syria right now, bro? No, what's going I mean, on in Syria? So what's going on in Syria? I'm being dead serious. What's going on in Syria? Dude, I live the life of a bull mastiff. I don't really understand anything. I just sleep, wake up, and eat. The entire country's been decimated. I don't want to even laugh. It's terrible. Oh, are you serious? This is terrible. Okay, well, let's. Yeah, Syria's pa Periscope game isn't that strong. <laughs> yes. Turkey. Lebanon, Israel. I'll see if we get someone live. But what yeah. I do is I go on, dude. The, uh, United, so the, you can join them the while the they're alive? Is that dude, what you're saying? Saudi Arabia, these motherfuckers go hard as fuck. I'll, I'll, I'm, I made a joke about it. It's always happened. There's always four of them in a Range Rover. Yeah, a Range Rover. And they're it. fucking. Range Rovers was made for Saudis. Dude. For Saudis. Saudis, Saudis that's all they drive is like they want that range. It's the, some of them is them, like not even like, like they're, I don't I, I they're always look they're always it's always them in their cars. Yeah, I want to see this. Oh yeah, let me see, let me see. Yeah, he's definitely Saudi. Can you join them on video? No, you can, but no, but I if I. Here's the problem. It's problematic because if I share it with my fans and they go on, they think I'm fucking making fun of them. But oh, I just, yeah, yeah. I like. <laughs> this guy. I should have brought Burmy Famer. <laughs> they just love watching, seeing what Arabs they just, are doing. They just drive. Uh, yeah, they do that. And it's Those always dudes. Out. Yeah, this is very. Look it's at this very guy. This different. Palestinian culture there is very. It's very, very different. I mean. It's, it would be cool. Be, I think it would be cool because it seems like everyone wears the same thing. Yes, I think that would be cool. I did a joke when I was because I do a lot of shows in the Middle East, and I was in it was in uh, I think it was in Doha in Qatar when I was on stage. And I was just like, yeah, it's cool. You just show up to the. You don't need a ticket when you go to the cleaners. You just be like, yeah, extra large. And they give me that. <laughs> give me the extra large white. <laughs> they just here's your extra large. Everybody just sharing each other's. I bought clothes. one of those. I bought one. They what's the white? Funny what's the white thing? Dishdashi. There's different words for it. Dishdashi. Gelabiye. 
I yeah. bought one in um, Zanzibar. Yeah, it's funny you say Zanzibar. Why? Because uh, most deaf, that's all he talks about is Zanzibar. Dude, have you been? I haven't. He it's was like, fucking yo. Fucking amazing. Man, he, 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 every time I see Yassine, he's preaching about Zanzibar. He's yeah. going to be like one of their officials like to tourism there. Or, like He's going to be a representative for Zanzibar. Dude. He was like, Zanzibar? Like Zan the water? In Zan like the water sun in Zan Zanzibar. That's all he keeps saying. Dude. And Chappelle's always like, Yeah, he's always talking about Zanzibar. We gotta go to Zanzibar. Dude, Zanzibar is fucking amazing. Uh Travel Channel. Amazing. Yeah, I was there. I worked Travel Channel for eight years. So amazing. I traveled around the world. Zanzibar was fucking amazing. It was highly recommend. Dude. We went out we went out <laughs> to this island, this private island that they had these tortoises, these three hundred year old tortoises. Wow. And we jumped off a cliff and swam around the island, and then just. But the only the only problem is, by the way, well, I was about to say something that yeah. is probably pretty the only racist. Problem is the <laughs> only problem with Muslims is is their beer. They're just not a big drinking. People. Yeah, yeah. They <laughs> so, don't drink. Bro. I, this man, and you. This is this is a testament to people. Yeah. Fuck religion and all that. Yeah. Just to people. Yeah. Right. They had a um. They had a sports bar in Zanzibar, and so I was like, it's yeah, funny. let's go to the sports bar. Yeah. And so, and I was like, she's like, what do you want to drink? I said, I'll just take a beer. And she goes, oh, you know, we're a Muslim nation. Like, we don't really have, we can't sell beer here. Yeah. I go, but it's a sports bar. Yeah. She goes, yeah, I know. I said, well, <laughs> the, the bar implies that you would have alcohol. She goes, yeah, we don't. No, we don't. And she, I was like, well, you're just like a sports restaurant then, I think, really. She's like, yeah. <laughs> and then she said to me, she goes, what do you want? Like, what kind of beer do you yeah. want? And I said, I don't, any beer. She went, all right, give me a second. Yeah. And she went. And this this poor woman probably never bought a beer in her fucking life. Oh no! And she bought maybe a hundred dollars worth of beer and put it in my bedroom. At the bar was a part of the hotel. Right. Put it in my bedroom and then poured one in a cup for me and said, "Just try to be respectful." That yeah. And I was like, "What a fucking like that's amazing." Like fuck whatever you assume about yeah. Muslims, about Palestinians, about uh, anything about yeah. anything is that. They're just people trying to get right, by right, right. and make you happy. We're very hospitable people. Yeah. You oh, know? she, dude. They feel bad. Like, oh man, let me just, let me just get this white guy drunk, man. He yeah. Need, and I was like, to... I got fucking wasted, <laughs> and she was staring at me, like watching it take effect. And I was like, oh, oh, I might be the perfect person to watch get drunk. Like, I do this better than anyone, dude. <laughs> or she maybe immediately regretted her decision. <laughs> like, this is gonna come back to me for sure. Oh, dude, Zanzibar was fucking awesome, man. It was really. I can't wait. I really want to visit that country. Freddie Mercury was born in Zanzibar. I went to was his he house. Really? Yeah. Oh, he's Mercury's like originally Pakistani. I didn't know he was born in Zanzibar. Born in Zanzibar. I went to his house. Went to some of the most beautiful restaurants. You could buy beer at most of the restaurants. Right. It wasn't like we drank everywhere we went. It was fucking awesome, man. And then these kids uh, at sunset, at sundown, were jumping off this off this cliff, off this almost like a, a pier yeah. into the water and everyone jump, jumps around and they all do these funny like it, it was real it was a real showman like watching these kids like just young street kids yeah. you know i'm i'm assuming i know they do that a lot in uh different countries that like kids actually make money yeah these kids were making money doing yeah. it yeah, yeah, and yeah. they got me to do it they were like come on you can do it and i was <laughs> like okay and so i jumped off <laughs> With a beer in your hand, uh, no, <laughs> and I, a lamb shank in the other. I was stone sober, <laughs> terrified because it was—it's yeah, really it's shallow. Scary. You got to land a certain way. Oh fuck that! And uh, yeah, you, there's a, a certain dive that kids do um, where your your feet and your hands go in first, uh -huh. and it's uh, it's it's a dead man's dive. I think they call it. 
That's, you see a lot of them. Why would I do that? Dude, they do it in Hawaii a lot too, yeah. where they jump and they jump like they're going to do a belly flop. Uh-huh. At the last second, they're they coming flip. in like a belly flop. Yeah. They take their feet and their hands and their feet and their hands enter the water first and it breaks the water and they don't. Uh-huh. I'll show you. I got to show That's you. That's horrifying, man. Dude, uh, it's, it's. I compressed my vertebrae when I was like in sixth grade. Wait, how? I uh, dove into a pool. I couldn't see the the shift of the of the like from three foot to five feet. Yeah. And so, or five and a half feet, whatever it was, and then I hit the top of my head. Oh, you could. And I was like, I was, I could, yeah, I could have. Eat like all the doctors were like, this kid's a miracle. Really? Yeah, they thought they were like he should be dead or paralyzed. I was like, I was, I think I was just so young, it was so youthful that. You know, I was able to get through it. I was getting out of the pool. I was like spitting out blood. All the kids are like, oh, it's almost Halloween. This kid's just, you know, he's got blood capsules. I'm like, no, man, my whole body is numb. <laughs> I need it. And I had the wherewithal just like, I shouldn't move. And I walked back to the apartment, put a towel around my neck, and I walked up to my mom. And I was like, something went really wrong. She's been she's freaking out. <gasps> Took me to the hospital. They were just like, this guy should have been here with an ambulance. This is crazy. Really? Yeah, it was like very traumatic. Holy thing shit. In my that's, life. You're so lucky. Myself. So lucky, bro. So that's like one of those where I almost died kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. I fell off a waterfall one time and mm-hmm. landed on my back. And I think about that all the time when I go, that moment where you're like, all right, something's wrong. Yeah. This is bad. Man, I've had a, you know, Bondi Beach. In, uh, yeah. So we, we decided to go out, me and my boy, we decided to go out when we were on tour there. We decided to go and just see the sunset, sunrise, excuse me. So we go there and we're just having a good time. Maybe smoked a little bit and whatever. And we're just chilling. And we were just laughing, having a moment. And we're walking backwards. And I put my hand on his back, just like, bam, hell is back like that. And we look back behind us, bro like a foot away from just accidentally killing ourselves i was like never again bro never again that was like one of the most oh. whole bodies and chills right now i just ooh, that fucking place was oh i can't i can't Bondi moments Beach. like that that's why like cliffs or cliff diving oh. i have like a huge trigger with that like i'm good man i'm just gonna go walk <laughs> around put my toe in first see how the water is and then slowly get in this ocean like no bondi thanks. beach is one of my favorite places in the on the world in it's the world beautiful. in the entire world it's beautiful i've had two days there and both of them are my favorite days i've ever had in my life on my four i, I celebrated my 48th birthday Amazing. on bondi beach in a speedo <laughs> with the lifeguards and we what? were just playing in the fucking water body surfing and i had it is gorgeous it's one of the most beautiful beaches in the it world is. but man and every time i've been the water has been icy cold it usually is though right I want, uh, last year i went I've, i'm going this year to australia in the winter in i've june, never been right? in the winter yeah, yeah, yeah you're in june. Going june and then uh it's a, that that place just scares me though australia yeah australia like he just the all it's the terrifying. the horrible things that are in the ocean like they have like for me i've never been in the ocean in australia i will never go serious? in the ocean no no i'll never i have a whole thing about oceans like no man no fuck what do you mean there's microscopic jellyfish i need to i need to see this once in my life to 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 never go in the water in australia okay they said there's microscopic microscopic jellyfish that kill you box jellyfish within a matter of minutes that you need to only see you can only see them if they were under a fucking microscope hence the word microscopic jellyfish that murder you within matter of minutes Dude. i'm like i don't need to go in this ocean Australia. i don't need to ever go i'll see it from a ship 
like a really safe ship. Australia's got a branding issue. No, they got a branding <laughs> issue. Dude, they got when we did an episode there. We had we had the tour, board of tourism for Australia was with us, uh-huh. and they're like, "All right, number one, please don't talk about how many things can kill you down here." And I was like, "Really? Why? Crocodiles, great white sharks, box jellyfish. They've got like seven of the ten most poisonous snakes in the world, world are in Australia. Yeah. They've got nine of the ten most poisonous spiders, spiders. in the world. Dude, yeah." That's I just it. got a text from this guy, a buddy of mine. A buddy of mine. I say a buddy of mine. I've never met him personally, but a guy on Instagram <laughs> that I follow, and we ta- talk back and through right. on Instagram. And he's like, "Hey, when you're in Sydney, can you spend a couple extra days, uh, and I'll take you hunting?" And I was like, "Yes!" Immediately, I wrote, "Fuck yes!" And then I just all I heard in my head is Rogan going, "Are you out of your, your fucking, fucking mind? mind? Not only have you never hunted in your life, yeah. but you're going to go out in the wilderness, something yeah. you're not comfortable with in Australia. In Australia, yeah. but this no. guy, the guy, the guy's name is Adam's Green, Adam yeah. Greentree. He's yeah. a, a beast. I was like, I'll be with him. Yeah, like, no, I'd be the guy before we left where I just like have these tights on underneath my pants. I'm duct taping like all the potential." <laughs> duct tape. Creaking like all my ankles. I would, I'd be, I can't, man. I have these triggers, bro. I just, I would not fucking make it. I watched one 12 deadliest animals in the world of Australia before I flew there, and that was it for me. I was like, I'm just gonna golf on top of on this shitty par three course in Bondi Beach in 30 mile an hour winds, and I'm just gonna smoke a lot of weed and just hang out. And that's that's where it's at. And I'll just sit at the edge and be like, "How's the water over there, guys? All right, cool, cool, cool." That's it for me. I just don't. Do you drink alcohol? I uh, I uh, you know yes sometimes. Yes. <laughs> Are you not supposed I to? I mean, no, you're not. But I've had before. Yes. Yeah. Is that is that like a real like? I, it's I, a thing. Yeah. It's I didn't thing. know you could. Like, how Muslim are you? Like, are you practicing? I mean, I'm working very hard at it. Like, here's the thing. Like, are you practicing? Like, it's an entire struggle of existing in this world, right? So there's this, you know, battles that go on inside of you. Like, I do this. I, you know, I want to drink. I don't want to drink. I have this. Whatever you're going through emotionally, it's like a, it's what I grew up around. What part? How I'm involved with it? How much did it influence me? How much did I put influence on it? So it's just it fluctuates. It was like a solid like ten years plus. Like I didn't drink at all basically until my early 20s and I started drinking and then I stopped. I was like, I don't need to do this. And then I spent like 10 years almost just not drinking. I was like, ah, whatever. I smoked weed. Yeah. That's what I do. Was that okay? I mean, it's debatable in our, it really is. And some people who don't know it as well, but I have like certain teachers in my life that are, you know, I won't name them now, but they're significant, you know, uh, um, um, figures and and scholar in theology in in theology and in our in our faith, but um, but yeah, it's debatable. It's been used a long time, but I have a medical. I do have real medical reasons why I choose to do it, and over you know getting prescription medication from my doctors, which they give me every fucking thing, and I have a thing about pills. You know, I just have this. I hate pills. I don't really. I think you're gonna say I love them because I love them. I I don't. I don't. I don't. I, haven't, I don't. I have my cardiologist. Uh, mm. I was taking Xanax, but I wasn't. I was taking it. I wasn't taking it often at all. Yeah. But I would take it if I like. Uh, this sounds silly, but like if I was gonna go to the movies with my family, sometimes mm-hmm. I get panic attacks in yeah. movie theaters. So I take a Xanax or like half a Xanax, really like really small dosage. Right. My cardiologist told me uh, the last time I went in, he said, don't ever do that again. Don't ever take a Xanax again in yeah. the rest of your life. Yeah. So it really goes, they're worse than opiates. Yeah, they are. 
I said, are you serious? Benzos are worse than opiates, yes. and they turn your brain into fucking glue. Mush, yeah. And he's like, do not ever take another Xanax. And I was yeah. like, part of me wanted to be like, oh, I used to take them. Yeah. <laughs> I used to take a lot of them. <laughs> well, now I'm huffing, you know? <laughs> yeah, but yeah, pills yeah. are ba- really bad no- bad for you. I but just know, I-, I just know I have a whole thing. I've, I've, I've known people that have had addictions to them. And I've seen what this done to their lives. The same thing about cocaine. I have like a massive trigger with cocaine. Like to me, my rule is that if it grows from the ground and it's like a flower, that's can't be that bad for you. You know what I mean? Something that just cocaine's like, the worst drug in the world. Worst drug in the world. Cocaine and I and I and I feel like pills are in that same category. I mean, they have oxycotton, they have all this shit that's out, all these people are addicted to. And one of the like one of the best new tracks that's out right now by Black Thought, who did the music for my special. The Roots did the music for my special. Black Thought and Stro Elliott, shout out. He um, he he did this new track called Fentanyl, and it is the one of the. I mean, it cuts you to the core. The way he talks about it, the drug industry and whatever. And I have this like massive trigger about it. Like I'd rather you know, microdose on shrooms and take a, take a Vicodin, you know, for yep. my pain issues, you know, I'd much rather do that. Oh, a marijuana is so much better with pain. Marijuana, um, mushrooms, even like at a right dosage to get the right, like I've done a lot of reading about this and I'd much rather do that than have something that's been made in a lab. And it's like, I, I just can't fuck with part it. Part of me feels like that big pharma, that, that pharmaceutical industry, j- the same way you look at like the, the prison industry is a, an extension of slavery. Yeah. And it, and I, 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 if you don't know what I'm talking about, there's a great documentary mm. on, not to you, I'm p- people listening. Um, there's a great, I'm sure you know about this documentary, only because you travel with some of the most fucking hilarious, <laughs> brilliant black men alive. There's a documentary on Netflix called The 13th. Yeah, regarding the third. Yeah, it's fucking amazing. But then you start going, oh, yeah. The prison system is an extension of slavery. 100%. Is, I think Big Pharma is an extension of our country. Mm. Of I'm, I hate to say this I'm a white man and my dad's a white man. Mm. I guess you could theoretically clump us into what evil white men, mm. 1% bad white guys. I believe that that bad white guy thing, the pharmaceutical is an extension of that to keep poor people poor, mm. to keep like the same way. Yeah, they, I don't they, even I don't even put it in as like, like race things like white people this and that. It's just capitalism. It's just yeah. money wanting it's just it's all about greed and how much money you can make like i've been watching narcos like crazy you watch narcos oh my god like i'm learning all my new spanish from marcos I'm like pinche de ella, la gringuitos de aquí. you know like, that's what i'm learning the whole time and i started watching no so so i watched el chapo and then i see that i'm like how much truth is really in this where they where they are they being the dea and the 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 governments that control how much is being you know uh funneled into america okay yeah it's fine you can get drugs into america this much and then we'll send it to this neighborhood and we'll do that and it happens on a regular basis where they just like all right just throw me like you know 200 kilos every once in a while we'll just keep the images up and we'll take a couple of your guns but you guys can continue to funnel this shit into our communities that happens on a regular basis oh yeah i remember buying weed in third ward in houston and I was driving by. I don't even know if I should be saying this now that I think about it. <laughs> but I was just driving by. Whisp- just whisper it. <laughs> so I was driving by. I think it was in Third World Houston. I'm not 100% sure on all these facts. <laughs> but but I was driving by. Me and, uh, me and my boy were driving by just to buy a little bit to, to smoke a J. And, uh, and I see this police officer talking to the guy that's selling weed in the neighborhood. 
And I was just like, oh, shit, he got busted. But then I look behind him. They're still, like, breaking down the weed outside on the patio. This guy has his gun. Like, he's sitting there. They're having a conversation. And I just keep driving. I'm like, let's get the fuck out of here. And we loop back around several minutes later, and he's gone. I'm like, what the hell is that? He's like, ah, they're just telling us to move because, you know, it's being gentrified. And this neighborhood, they're building condos. And we live in these, they call them shotgun homes. They call them shotgun homes because you could take a shotgun from the front door blast one and it hits the back door that's why they call them shotgun homes and i was like this is fucking crazy this is something much deeper here that we're all unaware of yeah and it's just like of course they do that and the same thing happens with drugs like how can xanax and all these pills be so readily available in the streets like so it's normal how many pills you need like where the fuck are these things coming from you're just falling off of trucks like so regularly it's just I feel like that's it. I don't know, man. I just have a trigger regarding that at all. I think it's crazy too how all these young rappers are rapping about Xanax. Yeah, and that's okay. It's like Percocet, Percocet, <laughs> Percocet, Percocet. <laughs> fucking Tupac is rolling around in his grave right now. Like, what the yeah. fuck are you rapping Percocets. about, mother? What are you saying right now, dude? I can't. I can't stand that. So yeah, I just think it's like perpetuating the problem. I don't. Yeah, some might say like, well, his art is bringing it to the forefront and to talk about it, like, are they really? I mean, yeah. I think they're just promoting it, unfortunately, and you shouldn't do that. I just. Is Bill Burr flying over us? Yeah. But- <laughs> Jesus Christ! Every time I see a helicopter, I point up to the sky. Well, and I, my, I tell my girls, I go, "That's Bill Burr." Burr yeah. And they go, "He's, he's right with- about that." What? Being able to fly a helicopter. What's it's the easiest and fastest way to get out of anything that's going on. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you watch Narcos, that's how Pablo Escobar would leave 100% of the time. He would just take his sweet time. They're 15 minutes out. Oh. All right, let's get in this chopper and really fuck him up. <laughs> and then he just leave and land his other spot. It's most, you could just take off without a runway. It's, it's brilliant. Oh, dude. I would, I, except for the fact that I, helicopters terrify me. We were in uh, Brazil up by the Christ the Dreamer statue. Mm-hmm. And so we flew around that, which is, I, I don't know. That's got to be an amazing flight, though. Uh, I was so fucking drunk, I don't know. You know, oh, that's disappointing. You don't remember how dope it was? Uh, I, all I can remember is the terrifying part. <laughs> I just said to someone the other day, they go, what was, how was, oh, I said to my cousins, because we went to the Rams game last night. Uh-huh. They go, okay, it was a good game, and it, it got really right up game. to the end, And but we left early. I said, we should leave early. Yeah. Trust me. Eagles fans, I love you, Philly, but they're yeah. fucking lunatics. Yeah, it's was, crazy. They were, they, my cousins were telling me about. Apparently, this Eagles fan threw up on a little girl one time, and like I was like, I was like, oh what that little bitch do though? No, I'm just kidding. And so, and so we're we're, we're losing thirteen to like That's thirty, terrible. and I go, I said to my cousins, I go, trust me, I think Rams are gonna lose. Let's just get out of here. And then the game started getting good, but we were in the car, and like one of my cousins said to me. Because I went to the Monday night football game with against the Chiefs, where it was like the best game ever played. Oh, that was and we a, stayed. Is that in, the one they scored like a million points. Yeah, and we That's stayed crazy. until the very end. Uh-huh. And they said that must have been great. I said I got to be honest with you, I don't remember much of the game. Yeah, but I definitely remember the traffic and <laughs> trying to get out. And I was like that. So fuck the game. As good as the game is, I that fucking getting out of a game is all I remember. <laughs> and so the same goes with this fucking goddamn Christ Redeemer statue. Yeah. yeah, it was great. It was great. Just like the pictures you see online. That's all you're seeing is the pictures online. But then we got pulled out. He he flew around it, and then he flew perpendicular oh. out to it or parallel to it, out over the city. And now we're about probably ten thousand feet, and That's he just horrible. stayed. He just hovered. Just didn't move, just hovered. And I was like, 
I was like, this, you're, I'm, I have a fr- fear of heights. Yeah, me and too. And I was like, man. I was like, hey man. And I was like, what are, are we, he didn't speak any English. Yeah. And I'm like, are we going to go down? And he's like, oh, no, no, no. Uh, jujitsu, whatever yeah, the fuck you said. Are you saying yes or no? <laughs> and, he, and I was like, are, are you doing this for me? Do you need me to do this? Like, do you want to drop? You want to, yeah. uh, dude? I don't fucking remember a thing about that flight except for us hovering yeah. and me being terrified. By the way, that was with the Palestinian guy. What? That was with the Palestinian guy. Was oh, on that you trip. went to Brazil with? Him? Yeah, I went on the trip. I like that guy a lot. <laughs> I really did. I, me and him got along really well. He's a he's a great surfer too. I, you'll never hear that sentence again. A Palestinian surfer. <laughs> he's a great Palestinian surfer. <laughs> he's probably one of the best. I'll, probably. I wonder is. what his name was. I'll never. You'll never see me surf ever. He was a stud. You'll never see me surf. You'll never see you surf. No, fuck that. Oh, again, oceans. I look like I'm wearing a. I look like a seal right now. All right, this is not. I would be delicious to Dude, sharks. It. I can't Dude, fucking can do I it. Tell you, can I, tell you? I can't do you oceans you like do that, bro. Next time you go to Hawaii. What? You gotta go swimming with sharks, bro. I will go swimming with the that little net that they put out to make that outdoor pool in the ocean. That's yeah. what the fuck I want. I want that net right Dude, there. Get in a cage. Like sharks can't get in a cage get in and go swimming with sharks in a cage. It's the coolest thing I've ever done in my entire I, life. I, you know, I did swim with sharks, but I did it in Dubai in the biggest. In a mall. Aquarium. Yeah. <laughs> Dubai is fucking great. That was great. the best. I want Did more Dubai that? in this world. No. Do they do that in a, do you, they do that in a oh, mall? What? They probably, the way Dubai works. The biggest works, aquarium in the world is in Dubai at the mall. Oh, I was joking. The, no, it is. Yeah. Oh it's my at God. the mall. You didn't I know? I love Dubai. Yeah. It's in the mall. It's at the, I, I'm trying to think. I don't think it's Dubai Mall. I think it's Emirates Mall. Maybe it was Dubai Mall, one of the two. And you go in and you get this class, blah, 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 and they take you into the aquarium. This massive aquarium with enormous stingrays and sharks. And I did that. I did that, but that's because that. I knew the fucking sharks ate at 2 p.m. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> they were just like, Here, are they good? Yeah, yeah, they just had, they have their feeding right now. They're good. I was like, good. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Let me have the sandwich and I'll go in there with the What's sharks. Dubai no problem. Like? It's incredible, man. Yeah, it's absolutely like um, it's overwhelming. When you go when you go overseas to like mm. to Muslim countries, do you mm. feel it? Do you feel like like uh, like the way I do? Like w- when I feel like when I go to Florida, right? Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, I feel the same way you do when I go to Florida. Hola, cómo está, amigo? Todo bien, No, I feel the same way. I feel like I'm a citizen of the earth, but for sure, I I really feel that way just because of how I came up and how my career has gone too as well. Yeah. So I just feel like this. uh, That's why I named the special the Vagabond because I I love that title. Thank you, man. That's a great title. Thank you, man. I traveled the world without a passport and feeling like just a citizen of the world, still feeling American, of course, and also my own lineage. But yeah, going to an Arab country. Yeah, it's always fun going someplace. You can speak the language, you feel them. You definitely there is there is this like edge and like oh, it's exciting what's happening and yeah, for sure that's there. For oh, sure that exists that's there. So fucking cool. But I, actually, the first time I went back to an Arab country was to Bahrain, and I was it was my first time going back, and I didn't have a passport. And I love the song about that place. The Bahrain, <laughs> Bahrain. <laughs> 
Sorry, I'm so sorry. Bahrain this is why my podcast sucks. Yeah. It's because you're telling a beautiful story Bahrain. and I interrupt. Bahrain. Bahrain. Keep going. I'm so sorry. I'm a fucking idiot. I'm going to be singing that all week, bro. Bahrain. 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 <laughs> that guy from Periscope shows up. What's going on, guys? Let's do it. Yeah, Bahrain. Yeah. No, man. I, I wish I knew more Arab countries because I tried to you. put them in this song. It's not a Mom, it's Bahrain. <laughs> I was excited about going to this. I was like, man, it's my first Arab country. I'm so excited, blah, blah, blah. And I didn't have citizenship yet. I wasn't even supposed to enter the country. But I was like, fuck, I always like, hey, I got to go make this gig. So I just yeah. go. And I'm excited. I start speaking Arabic to the guy. I'm like, I know what's that, blah, blah, blah. And he took me aside and held me for 15 hours. Because I spoke Arabic to I was in the airport. I was like Tom Hanks in the terminal. I was like getting to know really? everybody. Yeah, it was crazy. The U.S. military had to call up. I'm like, yeah, this is our guy. He's doing a show. You need to get him out. And 15 hours later, he just threw the threw the little travel document that I had. He was like, go enjoy the oven. Because it was August and it was 130 fucking degrees outside. But I was stuck there next. I was sitting on a bench next to a tourist shop watching, you know, thousands of people enter Bahrain and there was this deer head hanging outside the tourist shop that was motion censored so every time somebody walked by it would start moving its mouth to Elvis Christmas songs so I was next to that fucking thing for like a solid seven hours you know (laughs) fucking Russian hookers walking in you know you ain't another but hound dog he's just tourist and I'm just sitting there like an asshole so that's when I figured out that my mom tried to warn me about this. She goes, don't speak Arabic to them, especially when you don't have like your U.S. passport or whatever you. They'll respect you more that you don't have an accent and you speak perfect English. You'll get what you want. Really? And that's, she's 100% right. So I like toil with this, you know, um, like part of me is like the sadness, like, ah, what's happened to our to the Arab culture, what happened to them, like psychologically through, you know, British rule and how it's been pieced up and split apart and how they respect you more if you don't have, uh, an, um, you know, an, an accent and you speak English clearly versus when you're trying to communicate with them in their own native tongue is you get less in certain parts. That's crazy. So it's very, very sad. Very, you, very you sad. You must have a lot of that emotional blueprint mm. that, um, where you you talked about it you talked about it I don't know where you talked about this um, but about going and when you f- had your first passport your first green card and the guy goes alright you're good and you're like hold on one second yes like, that's I had, things yeah. that, that I said that on Breakfast Club yeah it was the first yeah. time How pissed when off I had you my US that, passport that Charlemagne the guy wasn't there I wasn't pissed off. He was in South Africa. Fucking, let me tell you something. Angela Yee yeah. did not do the best job in that interview. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you right yeah, now, yeah. as a fan of The Breakfast Club, yeah, and for I'll, sure. I know that Angela Yee would call me out. I'll call her out. I did right. not like her interview in that yeah. interview. Yeah, I don't like, what is she talking about? <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. She went deep on a couple she, like, of things. I was, I was just like, I like yeah. fucking... I went there. What the I was fuck does do- she not have a Netflix <laughs> password for? She makes a ton, a ton of, of fucking money. money. Yeah. How does she not have a Netflix? By the way, she never addressed the fact that she doesn't have a Netflix. Yes. She doesn't have a Netflix. Yes. Her brother's got four of her TVs. Yes. She doesn't have a fucking Netflix this account. Kept infuriating. Let me tell you something. Infuriating. Bring me on there, and I will. <laughs> I will pay for her Netflix subscription. <laughs> 
in perpetuity. For the rest of my life, I will give Angela E. a fucking Netflix account. Why she has to get her own fucking account? Why I do you have to fucking believe, believe it. that? Yeah, I, I was blown away. Me too. I felt the same way. But As, I don't know my password. But <laughs> I don't know either. It's already logged in. I'm fucked if I don't remember it. But I'm saying, yeah, it was just uh, it, when I when I mentioned like I had when I first got my U.S. passport. I was actually coming back from Australia. It was my first trip back with a U.S. passport, with an actual passport. I didn't have a fucking passport. So I just came back and he Explain scanned it. Explain that to them listening real quick. So, so, so yeah, so you 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 can see this is my special again, but I'm just, so I had a United States. Paraphrase so you're not taking any of the fun out of it. Sure. So it's, uh, it's uh, you watch it, it's fucking great anyway. I, I'm very proud of it. So, it, so I had a, for years as a refugee, when you come to America as a refugee or asylee, in my case, I'm stateless because I'm Palestinian, I'm stateless. So I don't have a country like you don't, so you don't have a passport. So you're like in limbo. So how that happens, what they do is they give you a refugee travel document that in the 1951 Geneva Convention, they uh, created um, uh, this uh, travel document that allows refugee to travel while they're seeking asylum from those countries. If that makes sense. That makes sense. It so, makes sense because I didn't understand that the first time I heard you say it, mm. meaning I think I heard you say it. I think I heard you say it. I don't know. I've watched so much of yeah, your shit so lately yeah, that yeah. I don't know what I've seen and not seen right, or where right, I saw it. Right. But yes, because Palestine was is not something. It's not a state. You don't. You have no is, home. Yeah. So so I don't. Yeah. On paper, I don't. Have, I'm stateless. So refugees in particular, when you come here as a refugee, they whatever country you go to, they have a travel document issued by that country that allows you to travel until you gain your citizenship. My case took me 20 years, so for 10 of those 20 years traveling as a comedian, I travel with this fucking document that's only good for a year, takes you forever to get, and I just would figure out all these different loopholes to get to get to the countries I need to go to. So, you know, in most countries, they need more than a year of validity on your passport yeah. to even enter. Well, my thing's only good for a year. It takes you three, four months to get it, and it costs like 500 bucks, 600 bucks to get. It's incredibly expensive at the same time. You need a lawyer. It's just a lot of red tape to get it, but nobody knows what this document is. So I would just get interrogated or questioned in every single country I'm going to, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just a comedian. I got shows. Like, really? Refugee comedian? Like, they didn't, it didn't, and I get it. It didn't, I was, yeah. I was a glitch in the matrix. That's why I say in Japan, I was interrogated for an hour, but it was like the funniest hour interrogation I ever had because the guy didn't even know what comedy was. Your Japanese right? accent is it, fucking he, spot on. <laughs> spot I on. Said, spot on without even a hint of racism. Spot on. It is so beautiful because so many people do an, a Japanese accent. White guys. White guys. Yeah. I, I do one in the new joke. Right but, uh, but, uh, but, but they do it and it just uh, comes out a tad bit punching down. Yeah. Yours was just accurate. I'm telling you exactly what happened. I sat in this fucking room across from this guy and he was like, so what is it? And he has a paper, piece of paper in front of him. He's going through a checklist. The first thing is like, so what is your occupation? I was like, oh, I'm a comedian. He's like, comedian? I was like, yeah, I do uh, I do comedy. Comedian? Yeah, I do stand-up comedy. Stand-up comedian. I was like, yeah, I do stand-up comedy. He's like, stand-up comedian. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm a comedian. Comedian. Am I being roasted right now? What the fuck is happening? Finally, his friend is is 
coworker walks in and he's like basically what's taking so long and he's like they're whispering to each other how did they comedian he goes oh yeah comedian <laughs> he's like a beer cosmere that's what he called it uh, and he was and he was like oh beer cosmere i was like yeah i do comedy yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then and then he gets really serious it's not in my special he goes are you sure you're not here to buy cars to take them back to Iraq to make car bombs? And then he laughs like a villain. He was like, <laughs> <laughs> like that. I was like, oh, no, I'm a comedian. And then he looks at me and goes, I am a comedian yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what got me off was Bill Cosby. I mean, not literally, but that's what got me off. I'm serious. That's what got me off, though. And I ended up leaving. That, that happened on a regular basis. It was such an excruciating thing. I was constantly fighting to get in the airplane you know, constantly yeah. proving that this is valid. I have all the proper documentation. And in some cases, like one or two situations where they refused me, you know, boarding accident, they just like last minute, you can't go. What's what's beautiful about what you do is you tell your story, but it allows uh, for someone like myself. Uh, I always will just say for about me, I, I think I've done this too much in this podcast. Um, I, I don't. I don't have malice in my heart, but sometimes, you know, it's just like a, a bachelor's. When you ever hang out with a guy who's been mm. single for too long, yeah. it's really hard to get them to do anything other than think about themselves. Right, right, right. And you, you're, they're just like, huh? Yeah. Like, and, uh, and I'm like that with the world. I just don't know what's going on. And I, not that I don't care. I do care. Yeah. But I'm just like, I don't know. It doesn't affect me making money tomorrow. Like, right. I just, I'm in this small little bubble of just me trying to keep my family above water and right. get, maybe get the next deal or whatever. Get the next thing to make right. more money or give more creative opportunities. I'm just not, it's not my brain. It's not how it works. But what was beautiful about what you do, what is beautiful about what you do, is it allows you, you paint your picture, but you paint it with the same colors that other people in this global world are having to interact with. Mm. Um, like when you talk about, you know, when you talk about coming here and, and your struggle of trying to get a green card and, and a passport, I immediately thought, had I been in that struggle, I can very easily see myself, maybe as a Mexican-American, Mexican, just going, I don't even want to stick my head above water. I just want to keep, because that's who I am. To get it, I yeah. want to just keep quiet, and look, if they find me and send me back, then I, but I don't yeah. even want to fucking try to go through the fucking pacing. Yeah, you it's, have It's to. so complicated. Yeah. Well, you get so many no's throughout the process, so it's just like, I was so sick of getting no. Like, oh, you can't be a comedian. Nobody wants to see a Muhammad tell jokes. Uh, you know, on stage, you know, this is what happened post nine eleven. Like nobody wants to see a fucking time. era. Nobody wants to do this, this is what I got. But it was actually like great for what I was doing. You know, it was actually really pop. People wanted to hear I me, mean, and I'm raised in the South. I'm raised in Texas. Like yeah. it's such an anomaly. To, I, that was like my gigs. I would go do these hole in the walls in the essentially the chitlin circuit you know yeah. that's what i was doing and and uh i've had a slew of no's and you can't do it no you can't no you can't go to germany no you can't go so you know you can't do this like yeah well fucking watch me go do it oh it's gonna take you forever to get it well watch me get it you know that was the whole thing like you're saying i can't follow my dreams i can't do what i want well you fucking wait 
You yeah. can't see it, but you wait. You don't know what's inside of me, and it's a lion, and you can't stop this. And I've had situations on the road, like in the in home of Louisiana, the Lanyap Music Cafe was one of my first headliner gigs, and I was so excited. And you have your seat. Remember, you used to sell like albums and shit afterwards. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, ten dollars. It was like I was so excited. I had like twenty seven CDs. I'll never forget it. And I just like smashed, sold out all these CDs and everything that I had. I was like, oh my god, two hundred X is two hundred. $70 on a $500 gig? This is like heaven. Yeah. I just made $70 in one night telling jokes. Like, yeah. holy shit. Like, this is amazing. So I do the gig and I bring a white guy with me, uh, Gary, who's from Beaumont. And I was like, yo, come with me. It's good to have a white dude. You know, I'm driving through this area. You know, it's like good to have you with me. So we go do the show. He dies on stage. I fucking. I just couldn't wait for him to get off. I'm sorry, Gary, but fuck it. You just were terrible that night. And I just couldn't wait for it. I was like, these guys hate him. So I go up, smash the room, sell out all my CDs. I'm excited. I go get paid. I turn the corner. And the room is kind of empty. I smoke weed with a bunch of like super great people and all these checks. Like, you want to smoke with us? Like, yeah, I'll smoke with you. You know, having yeah. a blast. And then room is kind of emptying out. And I see this police officer and this female in a pantsuit. And she... She goes, come here, like that. I was like, oh, they just made an announcement. If you're not 21, you need to leave. The comedy show is over. It's now a bar. It's 21 and up. And I was like, she probably thinks I'm not 21. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so youthful. <laughs> she goes, this is you pre-beer too. Is, this is, yeah, pre-beer <laughs> everything. And she's like, she's like, let me, can I see your license? I was like, yeah, you want to see my age? I gave her my license. And she had that Nextel phone. Remember those? Beep, beep, beep. And yeah. she starts like, yeah, we got it right here. Let me give you his number. I was like. Oh, hold on what's going on so she starts running my license i'm like oh shit and uh, and then the lady comes back on the net uh, on the nextel phone she's like Doo -doo -doo. yeah that's him i was like that's him and she's like walk outside with me we walk outside this lining up music cafe's venue and there's like six squad cars lights on like there's a murder scene that's what it looks like yeah. fucking this is what you anticipate for like a murder scene and there's a dozen police officers another detective there and i'm just i'm high as shit like yeah i am so high both like from the show and literally stoned out of my mind like celebrating and they're asking me questions. What hotel did you check into? I was like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? She's like, there's been an identity theft. And I was like, oh, so stupid. Somebody stole my identity. That's what's happening, right? Yeah. No, I was the prime suspect in this situation. They're like, what name did you check into at the hotel? I was like, James Dugan. It's like, it's not who you... I was like, no, 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 that's the manager here. His name is James Dugan. He made the reservation for me and both of our names on the reservation. So that's probably it. No, you checked under Kevin Dugan. I was like, oh, you found me so you obviously worked it out so what's the problem i don't yeah. understand and they were like why'd you go to japan and korea i was like hold on a second how did you know this is like 2004 right yeah. 2003 four uh, so there's no like i didn't have a website i didn't have there's no way for them to know i went to japan and korea i was like how did you know i went to japan and korea she's like we searched your room I was like, you searched my room? And at that Holy point, shit. there's fans still outside lingering. They were like, leave him alone. He was funny. I swear <laughs> to God. He was so funny. He was like, y'all get out of here. Mind your own damn business. I was by myself. But meanwhile, Gary, who I fucking brought there for this exact purpose, was hiding in the back <laughs> like a little bitch. They got him. It's him. Yeah, they got him. He's like, he was like a little bitch. Going back up to the manager. There. He's not going to be available tomorrow <laughs> yeah. night show. You need a headliner? Yeah. <laughs> Such a cut. I was 
so mad. I was like, Japan and Korea? What was I doing in Japan and Korea? This is my ace in the hole. You want to know? He's like, yeah, we want to know. I was doing shows for U.S. troops. Bam. What you got to say? He's like, huh? He's like, what do you do? He's like, you know what I do. My picture is literally staring at everybody in the face yeah. right now. I'm a comedian. That's how you found me and do that. She was like, well, you look really different from the documents we found. Why do you have multiple different IDs with different pictures? I was like, no, that's me. I was just really fat back then this is just totally different version of me oh my God. this is thinner me talking to you right now is the same fucking person and they hand me a trash bag full of my like most important documents right out there boom just like threw it at me they said the other cop to go escort me back to the ramada inn and we head back there i'm furious of course like i'm so upset i'm so upset i feel violated i oh, felt so yeah. many different levels and we show up to the hotel and the police officer's there and he has a tattoo it says usmc on his forearm i was like my brother served in the marine corps i was like i've been he was, and he was the only guy that apologized to me he was like man i'm so sorry this happened to you man yeah i'm so sorry and the security guard comes up i shit you not she's probably she looked like she was in her 50s. She might have been in the late 30s. Yeah. But she looked like she was in her 50s, missing her teeth. And she's whistling when she talks. She's like, you got to admit, when we saw Mohammed, we just had to call the police. <laughs> Starts laughing like that. I was like, ha, ha, ha. That's funny. I'm just, I just wanted to jump over the counter like those Adam Sandler scenes in movies where you're beating the shit out of people. Call the police. And they searched my room and he apologized. As the police officer was walking out and Gary's standing next to me, police officer starting to walk out. You know, like you bring your feature act, share a room. They only give you like one room in these shitty gigs. So the police officer looks back, and he looks at me, and he looks at Gary, and he goes, Gary, those are your porn magazines, weren't they? <laughs> I was like, porn magazines? You brought porn magazines? We're sharing, like, you're disgusting. What are you doing? <laughs> We're sharing and we room. walk into my hotel room, and everything's in shambles. Like, everything, your clothes are everywhere. My clothes are just, they left everything just fucked up. There's trash bags everywhere, just just everything is jacked completely fucked up and we look over at gary's bed they have eight porn magazines just perfectly fanned out just like like oh a deck God. of cards yeah. that you see at a casino they're just perfectly fanned out i was like you brought eight porn <laughs> magazines for a one-nighter you are disgusting <laughs> on so many i'm laying next what did you think was gonna happen this is like pre porn ex you know being so easily accessible i'm like what is wrong with you and we left that night bro it was like pack up our shit i don't trust anything they might have a mic in this room i don't even know oh yeah and we just and it was like the most so that's what the kind of shit that i had to persevere and like get over and uh you can't let anything stop you if you really want it you just take these experiences and you and you and you grow from it you know yeah those those things those things they've they leave a mark on you and they oh, make yeah. and the, the way you interact is different from then on out because you're like 100%. oh well, this could happen yeah this uh, could happen this and was, is a, yeah and i was telling gary about this on the way he's like oh man come on man it ain't gonna happen to you blah blah because blah. i was telling him I was like yo i want you to come out with me just in case why don't you come do this gig with me da, da, da. it's a long drive come on man you're mo you know because da, da, da. He, he just knows me on such a personal level he just doesn't understand that this could actually happen so I was just, uh, I was just floored the whole time. It was like, I told you kind of drive back. And he wanted me like, we should call the press. We should do this. We should do that. And I was like, no, man, I don't want to do that. 
I want to be known as a comedian based off of my material and based off of my art, not based off of something that happened to me in the situation like, oh, poor me, yeah. and look at what happened to, to that situation and trying to get visibility that way. I was like, no, I was very much against that. I was like, I don't want to do that. And he thought it was crazy. I would have done, I would have, I'm such a lowest common denominator motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Had I been Muslim around 2002 doing yeah. stand up, I would have yak off, smeared off that shit. Yeah, yeah. I would have come out with a, I mean, with, a fucking, video. with a bomb attached to me, <laughs> with a button. If you don't laugh. <laughs> I, I I mean I thought about it just because I wanted to teach them a lesson and I was upset about it, mm. but I I just needed to just you know continue to do what I do and that would remedy that situation. I think you know? well I think Jesus fuck how long have we been going? Oh my God, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, Why are you sorry? I'm having a great I, time. I, I, yeah, I this this is I I just I went through a deep dive like a just a spiral on you and just watching everything and just going like fuck like what's what's crazy to me is like. Even like the Trump story, which is probably, we all have our big temples that gets, yeah. get, that gets us recognized. And then uh -huh. you get like a, you get like people see it online and then they're like, oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but the best part of that, he really did have his name on his sweater. Yeah, he did have he his really name on his sweater. He really did have his name on his sweater. Bro, that thing was, an, that was, I came back from Australia. I was starting a tour in the UK. On that 40, I just flew in. He imagined flying from Australia, flying across the country yeah. to get to New York. You're already like 26 hours just in planes. And then from there, you're flying out. And I just got left fielded by Eric Trump being on this flight. And I didn't know like taking a picture was going to go so viral. Like I didn't, I was in my ball. I was like, oh, it's just a funny thing that just happened. I didn't realize that nobody in his father's cabinet was making any communicating communicating to anybody in the press. So I was literally the only person that's talked to anybody in the Trump camp since his father was elected. And I woke up in London with my phone, like just you see in movies, really? just I was like, oh my God. I don't know, because I sent it to Chappelle, I sent it to all my homies, and put it out for the fans, like, oh, this is funny, ha, ha, yeah. ha, da, 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 and I was busting his balls a lot on the flight, and then we passed out, I'm exhausted, I passed out, woke up, and he turned on his phone, I turned on my phone, I don't know what notifications he was getting, like, shut your mouth, don't say anything, yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, and I, we didn't say anything to each other, but we both looked at each other like it was a bad one night stand, it was like, maybe we shouldn't have done this. <laughs> Maybe we, maybe we shouldn't have slept together like this. And it, it was just, uh, it was wild to open up my email and have every single media outlet that you've ever wanted to talk to or not want to talk to reach out to you on such a personal Al level. Al Jazeera? <laughs> <laughs> Al Jazeera is like, can I tell Massive. you, they got a bad rap. Yeah. Because in right after 9-11, I guess that Al Jazeera was like the, that was like, everyone assumed that that was state represented media for like that was like the propaganda network yeah. they're legit fucking i mean fox news is looked at that way i mean people yeah, don't yeah. know fox news cnn all that it's just like very confusing it, news dude, space now so real news fake news all this bullshit and and trump is pushing for a government-based media network as well to yeah. control what's being said this is all part of like dictatorships and what have you but that's a whole nother conversation but it was like from from like i'm talking about american and european publications yeah from like gq to vanity fair to people magazine to i'm um, time to i mean everyone the guardian huffington post i was on the cover of everything everything was being copy copy pasted and and i didn't talk to anybody at the time i called Chappelle. I was like bro i don't even know what to do 
you know, and I was like, first thing, I got to make this hilarious. I got to make a funny bit out of it, yeah. number one, or else I become a gimmick, right? I got to like, no, I got to show I'm a real stand-up. I got to make this into a bit right away. Yeah. I didn't realize how explosive it was because I was on tour, you know, in the I was doing a 25-city tour at that time in the UK with other comics, and then I would step off and do open mics in a, you know, some hole-in-the-wall bar in the Midlands of the UK, and I'd see people whispering, oh, that's the guy that's Elza. Yeah. It's like, Jesus, this thing is everywhere. Yeah. So Dave was just like, man, you got to control the narrative. Pick like 10 publications or outlets that you want to speak to or else they're going to start fabricating their own stories. You better get ahead of this and control the narrative. And that's why I did. I did like 10 or 12 interviews, locked those in, and then I moved on. You know, I just yeah. wrote the bit, and then like four months later, I did it on Colbert. It's a murderous bit. Yeah, thank It you. really is. What uh, I met... Eric Trump, this sounds so silly. Donald Trump's got how many sons? He's got two older sons and I got... I met one of them. He's got three sons, right? He's got the young kid now. He's got the child. He's got four total. He's got three boys and a girl. I'll tell you real quick. Um, I think I met Eric Trump doing radio one time. <laughs> really? Yeah, <laughs> and I loved him. Oh no! <laughs> I swear to God, like I, I think this is way before. This is way. This is just when The Apprentice. Mm. But he was so fun on right. radio that I was like, oh, I love that kid. Yeah, I think that's him. I don't know. Maybe it was Don. Is there a Don Trump? It's Junior. Yeah, Don Junior. Maybe it was Don. I see you get along with Eric more than Don for some reason. Really? I don't. I don't know. I see Don like as a. I don't know. When I sat next to Eric, like I don't. Again, you don't know the person until you meet them, kind of thing. And I don't agree with anything that's happening right now, but I also like have a much bigger picture of like the way I look at politics. So I don't really like dive into the little nitty gritty. Yeah. But getting to know him, he's just like, yeah, this and that. That's what I do. You know, blah, blah, check him on the golf. He's just, he's lived that life. That's who he is. He's been slapped around since he was a young kid made into this person that he is today. So I don't blame him for being who he is like that's yeah. what he came up in that's who he is i'd rather just try to influence him you know in a in a positive way that's the only way i could do it because a lot of people online were just like how could you even sit next to him and do that i was like bitch it was the last first class seat after a 20 hour for you want me to give up the thing that I've been busting my ass my entire life because I want to go protest in economy class. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck I'm going to sit there and talk shit and I'm going to lay down and I'm going to be like, yeah, bitch, me too. I'm here in your face and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be who I am. And I was authentic to myself. I sat down. I was busting his balls. I made him uncomfortable. You know, it was fun enjoying yeah. that banter. And uh, I just like was trying to get as much information out of just playing, being playful. And that was it. I was like, yeah, I didn't even think about it. I was like, more like, oh, shit, I got a gig in Glasgow right when I land. That's yeah. really what I was thinking about. I didn't think this was going to be an entire global situation where I'm on the cover of every publication online. And, I'm, gonna, you know, I just didn't see that at all. Yeah. I, for the record, uh, please no one hold me to a standard that you think you would hold up to. Because in any and every situation, <laughs> I'm gonna be friends with everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, like I made a joke on Rogan that I wanted to go party with Kim Jong Un. Yeah. Let me tell you something. If that guy sends an invite, I'm gonna go party with a fucking guy. <laughs> okay. I'm gonna party. I know he's. A, I know he's a fucking ruthless dictator. But I just don't have that trigger. I, I don't like confrontation. Yeah. So like, I don't. I don't like. Uh, I, I. There's very, very, very few people. Right that I'd ever hold some political line with, I can't imagine. The, I can't imagine 
who I'd say, hey, man, I hate you. Right. I mean, like, because once again, it's like. There might be a few on my list, but I'm just saying, like, like I might, like, I'm not going to say who, but I'm just saying, like, like if, I, if, if, I just if, wouldn't feel comfortable. If Trump invited you to dinner. If Trump invited me to dinner? If he's like, he's like, hey, I want you to come to the White House. I'd be like, I need to bring a couple of my friends from the streets. Uh, okay. I need to bring some people that I really trust, just like you brought in your people. <laughs> I'm not going there by myself. Oh, I did. Yeah. I go by myself in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't go I by would, myself. I wouldn't even ask for a plus one. I'd go, just me, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> we having lamb? No. <laughs> Can I make you some lamb? <laughs> No, I, I would not go by. My, I would feel the whole time. I'd feel like this is a setup. Oh, because you think that they'd use it to propaganda. I don't know. I would it. just bring I a see, couple I people see. that have like some other than myself, which I believe I have very strong street credibility as well. And because I can speak both lingos, right? I can speak a lot of different languages, but I, I would definitely have. I might have my lawyer with me. You know what I mean? Like, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, I'd fucking just at least in the other room. He doesn't have to sit with me in like the meeting. What if he said? What if he? Okay, how about this? What if Trump said, um, "Hey, man, uh, we're having a movie night. Yeah, and we're gonna watch a movie, and I want you and you can bring a date. But it's me and Melania. My kids sounds like a crazy setup already. Already, are you serious, bro? I'm an Arab refugee (laughs) that's stateless for years until I got my U.S. citizen. I would think immediately, like, oh, this motherfucker trying to murder me in dark lights. He wants no lights on, just little faint flicker in the distance, and they're just gonna drag. No, I just nah, uh, nah. uh. Oh, okay, okay. I would have a helmet device. Flip flip me. I want to do. I want to figure out the one I wouldn't want to have dinner because I have dinner with. I like. I'd be like, I want to go to Waffle House. I want to be yeah. public space. If someone, if a celebrity <laughs> said movie night, uh, I'm trying to think who I who was like the biggest. I'll hang out. I'll hang out with celebrity. That's different. I'm talking about Trump, oh. and this time invited me just out of the blue to come hang out at his house. I'm like, oh no. Okay, Putin sends an email. Hey man, I would hang out with Putin if I had Khabib with me at the same time i would bring i'd be like yo can i bring habib my medicadoff whatever his, yeah. i can't say his last name that's my hero i was like if i can have habib with me i'll feel comfortable i party with putin in a heartbeat i'm saying i would if habib was with me at the same time i would i would almost i need somebody i need his crew that i know could choke like 20 people out at the same <laughs> fucking time i would go hang out and be like yeah yeah i would ask these questions but i would be, I would be I don't know, man. I would be tense as shit. Oh, I love it. He was, like my I, followers, my fans would just be like, "What you doing, man?" Oh, for real? Competing? I don't know, man. I think my mom would be thrilled. My mom would be like paranoid for me the whole time. She would just, oh. I don't know. My cousin. I think I'm oblivious, though. I think that's the when we talk about it's white just privilege. Backgrounds. Yeah, it's, it's like just I just go, I yeah. just go. Ooh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. Putin get a call from Putin, and then Trump like, whoa, hold on a second. Oh. Well, what's happening here? I needed to be on my terms, and Putin does. I think Putin would be the. Who would be scarier for me because I don't think there are rules. What about what about the prince of uh, Saudi Arabia? Is that the guy? Same rules apply. I mean, for all all really? leaders across the world. Oh, dude, I unless I, it's the Canadian leader, then I would just be like, yeah, man, let's go have some just, maple syrup. Justin, <laughs> Justin Throw is that his name? Trudeau. Trudeau. Yeah, I was like, yeah, man, let's go hang out, bro. You let refugees in, no problem. You a good dude. Let's go hang out. Oh, that's my. But problem. he El Chapo. El Chapo wanted to party with me. I'd party with him. I would hang out with El Chapo just because. I... <laughs> Just, <laughs> just because we'd relate on, 
I'd feel safer with El Chapo than I would with Donald Trump, to be oh. honest with you. Oh my god! Oh my god! That is. I'm the like best. your people built tunnels too. Whoa, <laughs> shit! You cut down everyone. The prison fuckers. Oh, El Chapo, I'll definitely party with them. Yeah. Come on, it's El Chapo, it's El man. Chapo. I want to see how short he is in person. You know, Dude, like, they were talking about selecting his jury. Yeah, and then El Chapo was like, "Don't worry, I won't murder any Anybody. of you guys." <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck, dude, fuck! I'd feel fuck. safer with El Chapo. I don't know why. I would feel because at him. least you know what you're getting with El Chapo, right? At least you know you get there and be like, "No, no, I'm not trying to kill you. <laughs> We're just hanging out, bro." <laughs> all right, cool. All right, cool. You let me know right at the gate. God. Entire time I was sitting with Trump, like. Is he in my house right now while he just wanted me to get out of the house? Is that what's happening? <laughs> like, I sometimes think that Eric Trump was specifically placed for me to interact with him. Like the Illuminati was hanging out, having a meeting. But like, yeah, this is Arab comedian. It's really on the rise right now. I think it'd be a good look. Let's go uh, recruit him into the Illuminati without him knowing he's being drafted, right? Oh. He's just like, oh, he's like, what is, who's the right person for the job? Send my son Eric. Let him go check on the golf course in Scotland. You know, yeah. just tell him that story. And Eric's like, okay, daddy. You know, he doesn't oh know. And then I just walk in, and it's just the whole thing happened. I feel that way because it was like no, there was no Secret Service in first class. They were all flying economy. Are you serious? Yeah, there was none in first oh, class. Fucking hilarious. It was. It was just like it was just. I'm. I think that way though, man. My yeah. brain has fucked, bro. Like I think in conspiracies. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah, I, I don't, don't think conspiracies are conspiracies. It's like, yeah, no, no. I'm. That's me living in a reality. Like that. I think that's what got me involved with the Russian mafia in the first place. Is my exuberance. You got involved in the Russian mafia? Well, oh, you've never heard that story? No. Oh my god. <laughs> Dude, I'm about to. I'll just I'll just send you the story. I can't. I I got involved hey, when I was. Send me this. Oh, when I was a kid, I got pictures of them all floating around right here. Um, I, I when I was 22, I got involved with the Russian mafia and robbed a train. Oh my god. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like it's the reason. It's the it's like my. You went from avoiding confrontation to robbing a train. What happened? Yeah, no, I it. I'll I robbed all of a sudden, train. your phone rings. And says, Hello, this is Putin. I want you to come out and have <laughs> brace lamb with me in, in Moscow. Oh, dude, it's uh, it's like it's like my flying with Trump story. It's the wow. reason I sell tickets is because I got involved with the Russian mafia in college when I was in college, and then we robbed a train. It's a really good story. It's a really good story. It sounds like I'll a send you. I'll send you. Story. What are I'll you talking about? It's, I'll send you the link. Of me telling all my special, you knew you were robbing the. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. It's a good story. You got arrested for this. I mean, obviously, it's a good story. You got to hear the story. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil it for I'm you. I'm too intrigued now. <laughs> no, it's, I can't wait. Um, yeah, yeah. It's one of those things. I like, believe I've never heard this story. Oh yeah. This cigar has gone out. Like it's not on the last special you did though. No, 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 no. No, it, but so I watched that. I was like, I didn't see that. No, it's uh, the one before that that comes out on Netflix in February. Oh man, you already um, did another one. I did a well. I did, I did one before this. It yeah. was on Showtime. Okay. And because of Showtime, not a ton of people watched it. It's being licensed on. Yeah, and so That's it's scrub. being licensed over to Netflix. But uh, yeah, it's like it's the thing that got me successful in stand up. Like I was touring forever, <laughs> and I told the story on Rogan for the first time. I told it on a, a couple. Right. I told it around like people knew it. I told it on Rogan, and it just changed my touring. Like literally, people started coming out see me, and then. <laughs> I we like this bird guy, really good. <laughs> it's, uh, no, my my nickname I gave myself to the Russian mafia on yeah. accident was the machine. Yes, I said I'm right. the machine, and they were like, "It's it's just a it's a flip of one word, one letter. Um, so if you funny. say I'm the man, it's like Yamashina. 
But if you say I'm a car, it's Yamashinu. <laughs> and I said basically, I said, I'm, I'm a car. I'm the machine. Yeah, and they so just funny. thought it was hilarious. Yeah, it is funny. We, uh, yeah, it was like, it went huge. It went viral, uh, like three years ago, it went viral on Facebook. Like, I don't know, 100 million views or something. Oh my God. I got 40 million on my page, and this other guy ripped it, posted to his page. That was the one that really blew up. That. Because that's what the guy did for a living was take viral videos and promote them mm. and then make money off of them, He just guess. ripped it like just, just talking shit? or No, mean, no, no. He just took it. Oh, he ripped it. You mean he like he copied took it? Yeah. copied it, but he he did something that I didn't do. He put, I wouldn't do this only because I thought people right, knew right, it, right. but he put, uh, no joke, this story is 100% true. And, <laughs> and what had happened is someone had commented that was in my class uh-huh. and on the story when I posted it and said, you know, this story is true. I was in the class. He fucking robbed us. And so that guy saw that and then branded it just a tad bit more, yeah. um, more aggressively to say, yeah. you know, this is a true story. And it went, it just blew up and changed my touring. That's amazing. It got me my Netflix special is that one story. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's, 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 I don't have a story of robbing stuff, but I have a, a story that I was accidentally in a situation where I had to talk somebody out of a murder. That's what I had. What's that? I, I mean, I don't know if I, I'm, I'm worried, like, I mean, enough time has gone by, but it was just one of those situations where I was, you know, I got out of the neighborhood. You know, it's like a lot of people. I mean, I grew up with like great dudes, and I and I ended up having a phenomenal, like a beautiful upbringing. But there was a stint where, you know, you're just in the wrong circles, and not even on purpose. You just because you're living in that same neighborhood. So at that point, I've changed my life. I want to be a comedian. I started doing it a couple of years at that point. I'm like 19 at the time. That was probably in 1920 at the time. And I started touring full time, and that's what I was doing. And a um, really close friend of mine just calls me out of the blue. I just came back into town, and he's just like, hey, man, can you come over back into the same neighborhood where I used to work at that store? And I was like, man, I don't want to come over there. Honestly, it's a shit show. I don't want to do that. You know, I just, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. He's like, no, no, I really need you here. If you come out, it'd be really great. I was like, bro, I love you, cousin, but I'm not. I'm not gonna, I hate that. I got out of there and I'm so happy. I'm doing well. I'm trying to be, you know, full. This is what I'm doing. I changed my, I'm out of this shit. And it's not like I was doing anything crazy, but just being in that neighborhood, you're just not, your percentages are gonna greatly go up if you if you stick around there to probably end up in prison or end up in trouble or whatever and if you even got like a misdemeanor you you're all your My, chances yeah exactly it, exactly gone. exactly i don't want any of that of course and that's a big thing too but he just sounded so like he needed me so bad and i just i just so badly and i couldn't i couldn't turn him down because i love him i loved him i love the guy and we're still friends to this day he was like bro can please come by please come by they'd love to see you they want to hear about your touring but i was like mm, sounds fishy I show up, man, and there's just guys strapped, like they all strapped. I'm like, you know, TJ, you know this guy, da da da, he's coming. I shouldn't name names. He's like, oh, he's coming. He's died. This guy's been stealing from me. He's been stealing from you. Know that guy's a fucking crook. We're gonna kill him tonight. I was like, I looked at my friend. I was like, what the fuck? are you doing bringing me into this situation? He goes, I came here to hang out. I'm stuck in this situation. I need help. You're the only person that could do it. That's what he told me. I was like, well, I, all of a sudden, I'm a hostage negotiator? What the fuck is him? I'm a comedian. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? And they're all strapped. We're going to kill him tonight. And he's like, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. We're going to grab him. He thinks he's selling us rims. We're going to grab him and put him in the house. And just in a matter of seconds, I couldn't have any control over the whole thing. This is already happening. Now I got to be in it. 
you know, I got to like figure out my way out of this situation. Yeah. And they grab him, freaking car takes over, they set him up, they bring him in the house. And they just start smacking the dude like, bam, you're going to fucking die. You steal from me. I provide for you. I take care of you. And you steal from me. Bam, just smacking the shit out of him. And they tie up his hands. And they were like, you tell him. They opened up his bag, his backpack that he had with him. And all these items that he stole from his house are still in his fucking bag. You steal from me. Bah. And he looked at him closer. He's like, look at these fucking jeans. These jeans. Are, are these my jeans? <laughs> the guy fucking had stole his own jeans and wearing them. Are you? Took off his jeans. He's sitting in his boxers, this poor guy. I mean, he's 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 a piece of shit, honestly. Yeah. Like, I mean, but he didn't deserve to die. So the whole fucking night I spent just negotiating this guy's life, trying to talk the guy out of. He was like, you know what happens when I drink? When I drink, I get crazier. I get crazier. And this, and it was just like hell. It was hell. And I was like, had my hands like this the whole time. Like, not I touching don't anything. Touch I was like, <laughs> not touching a so fucking good. thing. I'm like sitting there, I'm like, bro, it's not worth it. This kid, why? You know? You take, I have a visual yeah. of you with Windex cleaning <laughs> yeah, up things. Going, I, was, I was like, bro, and I'm, the whole time I'm looking at my friend, like, fuck you for bringing me into this situation. I'm just trying to live my life. And this is what you bring me into. I was so furious. I was so innocent in this thing. I had nothing to do with anything. Why? are you doing this and the whole time i'm just talking this you know trying to talk for this kid's life and i did i ended up calming down the whole six, five six hours later of just grueling just i'm gonna kill him right now and i grab him no 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 no, don't do it and then i go talk to the other kid that's sitting there crying i was like bro listen just say sorry just say sorry that's all yeah. i want you to say sorry and i want you to cry i want you to cry that you fucking mean it and you got to do it because this guy's crazy and i didn't want to be here and i met you like a couple of times from the neighborhood store i barely know you but i know you stole from him just say you're sorry all the fucking time say you're sorry give him whatever you want just say you're just oh, continue cool. don't try to resist don't try to say but this but that don't take but out of your conversation yeah. don't ever i just teaching them on what to say and that's what calmed the whole situation out and i was like i don't know what's gonna happen from here it's almost 5 a.m i'm getting the fuck out of look at my friend i was like this is the time and i got the hell out of there good god that was like the the and i never i haven't walked back into that neighborhood since it's been like 16 years jesus how's your mom doing my mom's great man yeah yeah she's great is she still in houston she's still in houston i want to take her on vacation so bad we need to go do something though for sure yeah something special for that and, woman and your brothers and sisters i'm the youngest of six so jesus yeah they're all grown and stuff my brother one of my brothers is a pilot one of my other brothers doesn't like he doesn't want anything with the public eye or anything like, so i don't really talk about him but i have yeah i have a, i can understand that yeah yeah i get it I talked to Brian Regan the other day, and I said, do you talk about your kids on stage? He goes, nah. I asked them if they wanted me to talk about them on stage, and they didn't seem into it. And I was like, oh, you, you, you asked them? them? <laughs> <laughs> I just trashed mine. Are you fucking kidding me? And I was like, oh, what did I do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah he, I, it was like a, a point that uh, that happened to me, that with a, there was a conversation that happened within my family, and and it's fine. Like, I basically found out, like, well, one of my brothers don't give a shit. I say whatever I want about him. But, uh, and it's nothing like I'm talking, I'm not talking bad about him. In my opinion, it's like, yo, this is lifting you. I'm proud of you. Yeah. I'm very happy. I'm very proud of what your accomplishments are. And I want everybody to know how special you are. That's where I come from. I'm not sitting there just talking shit the whole time. And I talk about my brother being a pilot. There's just a hilarious thing that happened where I have an Arab brother 
in a post 9-11 thing who is a pilot and the FBI did come to our house to vet you and that's a hilarious thing that happens and yeah. I have a nephew named Osama and why they visited is because you had a conversation on the phone from the airport talking to my brother-in-law and you're talking about when your kids are going to hang out and all the kids names are Muhammad Osama and this and that and it popped up and triggered <laughs> and that became hilarious so I talk about that on stage like it's fine I'm not yeah. I'm actually humanizing the situation that's what more I, than anything else so I just I just kind of left it I got into an argument with it and it's just like all love and I respect his wishes and yeah. I'm trying my best to do it and he's like well this thing was printed I was like man people just find out things my Wikipedia says I have three children I live in Mexico you know <laughs> live in LA with a Mexican wife like that's not what I have you know oh yeah that's right it so does say that like, it's fucking weird I've been trying to get <laughs> that, that taken that off I don't know man people write whatever yeah, they want I forgot about I did, yeah. I did see that and I was like oh okay I wouldn't mind if I had illegitimate children like hanging out there I, yeah. I really I think it's like phenomenal most people are like oh that's terrible you had illegitimate children so I'm like I didn't know they exist if I did, I'd, I would have taken care of them. I would still embrace them if they showed up, but I don't have any kids. Any of my kids of my own? No. Um, have you ever had sex with a black chick? Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's all I needed to know. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, black. Man, I. Why? Well, that's so random. I don't know. That's my, my interview style. Yes. <laughs> I never had sex with anything but white chicks. That's it? Yeah, that's Your it. entire life. Yeah, but I'm 46. It wasn't like. It, yeah. it, I, I mean, I know that you can't even reference the past because people go, what? Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, the, Florida was fairly segregated yeah, yeah. when I was a kid. Sure, still is. Still, still is. Segregated. Yeah. Still fucking is. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, Florida, it just was not, you just, it, you didn't, didn't see it a lot. Yeah. Well, I traveled it. a lot, met a lot of different people. So yeah, equal I'm opportunity of, lover. <laughs> I, I just, I just uh, recently, um, and I say recently, probably like, I don't know, maybe, I don't know how recent, but like 10 years, yeah. nine years, I just started realizing how beautiful Indian women are. Oh, they're stunning. Yeah. Any woman might be the most beautiful uh, out of everything. I, I mean, everything. I don't know, man. It's just so many beautiful people. There's so many, like the the mixture of races and places that you'll go around the earth and be like, yeah. man, I didn't know Kazakhstani women were kind of attractive. But yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like, it's amazing. You know, there's so many different creations that you just like, man, it's. You just it's endless. I was I was obsessed the other night. Sometimes I get obsessed about something that you're never like. I was like mm -hmm. a, a long time ago. I was like, I wonder what the average IQ was when Jesus was around. Like, I wonder what the average IQ That's was. Such a random thought. What's wrong with you? Like, I was because I was like, <laughs> what the random? Because, because I, so I, I was <laughs> dissecting. I was dissecting um, how hard it would have been to become a Messiah. Yeah. Like, like there's only like, I think there's only like 1300 people in the world back then. <laughs> These are all numbers I was making up. You're just making, making up, up shit. I said to my wife, I go, what do you think? I go, I wonder if I can Google what the average IQ of people were. And my wife goes, you can't. Because they didn't come up with an IQ test until the fucking 30s. Yes. So no <laughs> one took an exist. IQ. You think they had an IQ test? And I was like, oh, good call, good call. I, was I mean, it's like, it's so much ambiguity around the time of... You know, the prophet back then. I mean, yeah. prophet Jesus or I was, Sayyidina Isa, alayhi salam. You know, Isa. Is his, no, it's Jesus' name is Isa. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What Isa, is yeah. This is going to sound really stupid. No, it's not. Are you ready for this? No, yeah. you haven't heard it yet. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I don't, I mean, I don't believe really. I'm, I'm Catholic, uh -huh. but I believe in Jesus. You believe in Muhammad, no. right? Yes, I well, do believe in Muhammad, but I also, so in the Muslim tradition, in a Muslim religion, you believe from the first prophet 
to the last prophet. So the last prophet is the prophet Muhammad who brought the Quran, the, the revealed to him. And that's a whole nother story. And, but we believe from Abraham to Asidna Adam, Abraham, Jesus, uh, it keeps going. Jacob, Yaqub, you know, so there's so many prophets. We believe in actually the Quran references that we've sent you many prophets are speaking to your tongue to bring you the good word. And I believe I might have these numbers switched. I'm not, I'm not a theologian. That's not what I do, but I studied it up and they, they say that, um, there's like 33,000 prophets were sent and over like a hundred thousand messengers were sent. So I think I have those flipped that were sent to different people, tribes, so you can learn from one another so they can bring you the good word. And then I created you in different tribes so you can learn from one another. And so we believe in not only the prophets that existed, but the prophets that we don't even know about. I mean, the, that even like some scholars would say like Buddha was also somebody who was bringing the word to that region of the world. Somebody, you know what I mean? There's yeah. all these, and we believe that the prophet Muhammad brought everything together. So it's clear, everything has been tampered with so much. Like the Bible has been rewritten so many times. Who yeah. wrote it? Men wrote it, this and that, and becomes a whole situation. Well, how is the Quran written? Well, it was revealed to him through the angel Gabriel. If that's true, how is that true? Well, he was illiterate. He didn't read or write. So for him to create something like this is impossible, especially in Arab culture at that time. Poetry was so revered, still is to this day, but poetry is just such a big part of it. So the eloquent, being eloquent with your words, was something that was so attractive and beautiful in that time you know so when he that was revealed to them nobody heard any words like this and how could that be revealed to somebody who is illiterate and an orphan and doesn't read or write but he has this so there was like this miracle that happened with the quran itself and how it was revealed to the prophet muhammad and it was just some i mean like the first thing that was revealed to him he used to meditate all the time he would leave people would just drink wine and you know party basically and recite poetry and he didn't want anything to do with that he would go and and meditate regularly he would just leave and sit in the cave and just be constant meditation and uh and 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 worship and he had that interaction which he didn't know what it was at the time and he said um again i don't want to get this wrong because it's really really important but one of the first things that means read in the name of your lord that created like what and he was like, what are you saying? He's like, I don't, in, in Arabic, Iqra means several things. So Arab words have trilateral roots. So so it could mean many things. Iqra could mean literally read or recite. And the Prophet replied to this feel, this thing that was happening to him. He's like, man abiqari, like I don't read and I'm not a poet. You know, I don't do that. And, he's like, and he felt a squeezing. He said, Iqra bi'isma rabbika like read in the name of your Lord that created you. And he's like, I don't read. And then he felt a squeezing, according to him, when he was telling his wife the story, he was, he felt like he was being squeezed so hard that his, like his intestines were going to burst out of his body. That's how intense it was. He said, I mean, um, read in the name of the Lord that created you, created you from a hanging blood clot. It's over 1400 years ago. Like how... Would he know that's how you're created? And the way it's described is exactly medically how it's described today. So over really? 14 years ago, to have that kind of revelation is just insane. Like nobody can have that information. And it was like, I'm saying this uh, 
getting it mixed up, but it's like uh, reading the name of your Lord that taught you how to write from the pen and paper, and it just be that was like the first revelation. It was like a big thing, and he went to his wife. who was like, I don't know if this is good or evil. I don't know what it is. He's horrified. He was shaking. She remember putting blankets around him, and she was like, "You are a very special person. You are. I don't think anything like this would come to you if it was evil. I know it wouldn't." Yeah, and that's when everything started being revealed to him he would just go into trances and it would just be given to him with the prophet with the excuse me with the angel gabriel and it went over time like over uh his entire life you know the quran was assembled and there's this whole thing like oh how do you know that existed is that really true well at the time of the prophet muhammad was the first time that they actually had recorded history Mm -hmm. you know they actually man were, were writing and and were preserving um history so you didn't have that in the time of the uh uh, you know the messenger of Jesus. He didn't have that necessarily. We didn't the recorded I love that you time. The messenger Jesus. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> like I say it in Arabic, so it's hard for me <clears throat> to like switch gears. But it's like, yeah, he's. I mean, Jesus in the Isa is like mentioned in the Quran more than any other prophet. There's like miracles within the uh, in Islam talking about Jesus more than any other tradition that exists on earth today so whenever we say oh you believe in this so you don't believe in that no 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 on the contrary the prophet muhammad used to say like no he was so humble in his way of talking he's like no imagine an entire building and there was just one brick missing all i am is the last brick that's all i am i'm just the last brick in this big puzzle that's all i'm this last piece that brings all this together there's one creation it's one god I'm the last prophet of God, and this is this is all to believe in all these prophets, and this was revealed to him. So we believe in I all, wish, all of that. I wish these I I I kind of bummed out at the uh demonization of Muslim um people, I guess. Is that is that it's like I mean, yeah, like, but I feel that way like about religion as a whole. Religion just becomes such a tab of it's just a religion. It be, it's become cool to not like not believe in anything. My daughter doesn't believe in God, yeah. and I'm like, and I just it breaks my heart. How I old go, is your daughter? Fourteen. Yeah, that's normal for that age, by the way. Really? Yeah, they say the most critical age is around fifteen. Is around that age where yeah. they are questioning existence and what's you know what is real, what's not real, and and I believe the issue with god currently is that for so long people have put god as a human being in the sky his hands you know sticking out for all of us to come up to us you know this human being in the sky well i mean if you're just a rational logical person you know how like we could die just by so easy circumstances like i'm so frail how can i be god you know like to imagine that so people can lose faith in that or something horrible happens to you and you're like oh if there was a god why would why is this happening to me if there's really a god well you know the world has khair and has shar which means it has blessings and it has evil i mean that's just the way it works it's just the balance of earth i could lose somebody could lose their job that's evil for them but the next person getting that job is a blessing to them it's just the way it is and understanding that there is more than this realm of existence is something that I believe in and my teacher always said like you're trying to uh, describe God your inability to describe God is your understanding of God like your you your brain should short circuit 
when you try to describe like how can you yeah. uh, it's infinite universe it's light power i mean i don't know i'm a, I'm a human being like but i do know that there is miracles that happen on a daily basis i believe and in miracles. there's there's so many little creatures that exist that we don't even know about we're still finding out about fucking animals in the tropical rainforest we've only gone like two miles deep in the ocean like i believe there's monsters lurking in the ocean for yeah. sure there is like i believe in all that i believe like this is just infinite universe if they took a if the super hubble telescope took a picture in the middle of the sky in like a square inch and they found ten thousand fucking galaxies in that one square inch like give me a break bro like yeah, yeah. it's like i i believe this is uh, it's not just some accident that happened and you die you don't exist i just i feel like that's all laughable to me it's yeah. all laughable to me I just, you can't tell me like uh, the miracles that I've just experienced in my life. You just got to tell me the, the dream, the just being in a dream realm where I've had like very specific dreams about like people I'm going to work with in the future and how it's come together. Like I've had very specific dreams about Chappelle, for instance, and things that have happened to me and the fact that they come to life. It's like, it's incredible to me and I believe in it. I believe that there's one creator. I believe that there is infinite universe and I believe we all come from the same source we're all the same but different and we're intended to be different so we can learn from each other but we suck as a human race so we want to fucking it would be cool though if <laughs> yeah, aliens showed up and scientologists were like told you we were right <laughs> and we all just had to go i guess it's scientology <laughs> <laughs> it's just like an 80s sitcom scientology oh shucks tom cruise wow how the fuck did they do yeah, that fuck that bro. dude i'm so glad i got to meet you and hang out with you you're Likewise. a fascinating guy. You really are. Thank you, man. And you're inspirational too, man. You're you're yeah, love, your, bro. Thank you for path, showing love, man. Your path has been has been really fun to discover these past couple of days leading up to this. And talking with you, man, you're the real deal. I I I, love, I could I, I, I hope we stay friends. We because, gotta, man. No, we have to. We have because to. I, I mean, you're a smart motherfucker. Oh man. Like a really smart motherfucker. And I hang uh, out with smart I hang out with like really brilliant people so you saying that about me makes me feel dude. silly it was like wait until you meet these people these people make me look like an infant dude <laughs> i'm an infant i am an infant i am definitely an infant and i'm just been blessed to um be around you know uh great people that have influenced me and you know you've been influenced too by great people as well and it's just great just hanging out man. dude well fuck well hey thank you let's for go swim this, naked in your pool all right amen <laughs> <laughs> This episode was brought to you by The Machine.